know what time it is. It's time to take it to the burn land. It's about to go down. Hope you're all ready. Yeah, yeah, let's go. Yeah. Come and roll with me to the burn land. Friends got to giving you the word, man. Any other BS is absurd, man. Sports talking, they give it to you firsthand. They can talk turps, they can talk O's. Yeah, they both lit. That's how it goes. Baltimore squad, Ravens and Poe. Better tune in. Here come the show. Birdland, Birdland, Birdland. BS. Birdland, Birdland, Birdland. BS. 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 What up, BSers? What's up, hey Fred. Scott. Ryan. Drew. All virtually in the studio tonight. Not we're coming to you live, but all from four different locations. It almost style. shut us down. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Wouldn't be 2020 if we didn't go down this path. Wait, I feel uh, like I feel like the Ravens. We moved the show to Wednesday. We're all in separate places in isolation. <laughs> what the hell's going right. on? <laughs> One of us showed up for warm-ups with COVID. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It has been a, uh, a a rough couple of weeks for COVID and the Ravens and the Terps. It's hit uh, it's hit locally pretty hard, I'd say. Over the past couple of weeks, we uh, we had basically our AAA squad out there against the Steelers two weeks ago. Didn't go well. It I mean, listen, I, I'll be honest. I think they performed okay. We'll talk about that. Yeah, but uh, but then everything is getting shut down. Like. Now it's 25% in the city with the new mayor. So it's like, I'm curious to see how that's going to wind up any affecting any home games for the rest of the year too. Right. Because they have right. to abide by the same rules unless they're going to give them a pass. Right. That's very true. Uh, we did bounce back last night. Guess the Cowboys. Big win. Big win for the, uh, for the Ravens. Uh, the Terps hoping to back bounce back after, uh, having COVID run rampant through their locker room as well and through their coaching staff. Uh, they had a loss to Indiana, but looking to wrap up their season against Rutgers here in the next couple of days. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. And we're talking 50-year-old boxers, YouTube boxers, and guys getting the boot in this week's rundown. We got a hodgepodge of shit to talk about in this week's rundown. Uh, but before we do, we do want to remind you, if you've ever been injured at work or in an auto accident and weren't sure who to call, 855-MD-CRASH, the Maryland personal injury attorneys that'll have your back. If you find yourself in that unfortunate situation, and I know I have, give our team at MD-CRASH a call right away. We all know the cost of medical bills, lost wages, and pain and suffering. It can all add up quickly and potentially put you in a bad financial place. If you want a team that'll handle your case, big or small, and just give you some peace of mind, save this number now. 855-MD-CRASH. That's 855-632-7274. Be sure to follow them on Facebook for some fun giveaways including gift cards to some restaurants you might be able to use in 2021. Who knows? Kind of the way of things. All right, Scott, it's time for some flock talk, fellas. We, we struggled there. We had the loss in Pittsburgh against the Steelers. I don't remember uh, that. We won last night, so. Yeah. Oh, I remember. <laughs> One game at a time. <laughs> That's right. Well, listen, the Ravens hit a rough stretch there for a while. They lost three in a row. Four or five. It's been a while since the Ravens have, have hit that kind of a a bump in the road, to say the least. Um, but they were able, like you said, last night to bounce back in a big way, beat Dallas 34 to 17. Before we before we jump too far into the Dallas game, I think we have to at least like you know, we didn't have a show last week, obviously, with the everything that went on last week with the changes yeah. and the moves and and everything. We gotta we gotta at least talk about it here for a minute. First of all, 
22 guys on the COVID list at one point. I think it was a total yeah. of wound up being 13 inactive. You almost feel my pain. The Terps were 23 inactive with COVID the week before. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but I, I, we still kept it close with the Steelers with really a bunch of third-string starters. A bunch of them. Not just, a, not just one or two. We had third, a third-string quarterback that wound up going out there later in the game and made it a competitive game. We all were calling. We were in a chat. We were all calling for him to be out there before then. Before then, because yeah. we knew RG three wasn't wasn't producing in the first quarter. We saw it, but overall, I was impressed. Yeah, I mean, considering you know you had the the middle of your defense out, you didn't have Brandon Williams there, which we all know what this defense looks like without Brandon Williams. You didn't have Calais Campbell out there, like you said. You got RG three and Trace McSorley out there leading the way. Uh, to kind of hold it as close as they did just goes to show what I was saying a couple of weeks ago that I thought the Steelers had to be one of the worst 11-0 teams in history. I mean, they, honestly, like they've just been skating by. Drew, I, I don't know what your opinion is on the Steelers, but to me, I don't think that they they really stand much of a chance, even if they get the one or two seed, to really go far in this playoffs. They do not look like a playoff team to me. That's what I was thinking when Scott was talking. Like, yeah, I give I give the squad that we put out there a lot of a lot of credit. But at the same time, five yards an attempt is not sustainable. Right. If, you you got to be able to run the ball. And I know it wasn't Connor, but I'm like, they've kind of been doing that all season long when Connor's playing. Right. And Benny Snell, I mean, it's not like, no, he's no, no, no superstar by any stretch of the means, but it's not like he hasn't been around enough that you could try. They're not even trying. Yeah. Like the only time he throws it down the field is when you, when you see the ball going in there, you're like, all right, who's going to get the DPI because it's coming? Right. I mean, you and should be like, – to me, if I'm any, if I'm a defensive coordinator, I'm jamming the wide receivers at the line of scrimmage in that first five yards where you can get your hands on them and hoping for the best with your pass rush to get back there and get at Big Ben, who's obviously a much older quarterback. He's not mobile. He's a big guy. But, you know, he's getting the ball out quick, and that's what this uh, Pittsburgh offense has been successful with. If you jam the wide receivers at the line of scrimmage, get your hands on them, give your defense a little bit of time, this team does not scare me one bit. And that's, that's the other thing about this game, too, right? You talked about him getting the ball out fast. He's gotten the ball out faster this year than he has in his entire career, right? Yeah. So that tells you that tells you something that he's he's still in good physical condition to be able to get to be able to do that. But in this in this he's game, he's compensating. <laughs> okay, yeah. maybe. But no, he definitely is. He doesn't have the long ball. He doesn't have the deep ball that he once had. He doesn't yeah, have the arm Kyle, strength. What do you expect? Right. Yeah, he's still but, got the, show, the the elbow problem. Drew so. Brees is doing that tour pretty well down in New Orleans So for yeah. a couple of years with his eight yards of attempt. So. But Ben Roethlisberger is not Drew Brees. <laughs> no, he's not. I don't even know how you said those two hey, in the same sentence. It's, it's, it's the first year of him trying this Drew Brees shit. It's going yeah, pretty well true. for him at 11-0. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, they ended up losing to yeah. the WFT. Yeah, I was trying to, you know, but, we were all pretending like we didn't have added information that they were the worst 11-0 <laughs> right. team ever. But the other, the, other thing about, the other thing about this game was there were some big drops by the Steelers, right? So, you know, like you said, it's, it's the worst 11-0 team that we've seen. Big drops. Ebron was ridiculously horrible in this game he's an ass clown oh yeah yeah god he gets on my nerves all the, the, the yeah. uh, running his mouth on social media and shit and then he goes out there and it's it's drop city that, that dude just uh, sounds like a receiver we have he had one good year <laughs> right. he had one good year up there in indianapolis when uh 
what's his name was up there throwing right the ryan, ryan yeah, beat me 14 touchdowns right right ryan beat me to it with though with that statement right <laughs> is that it sounds like somebody we have that runs their mouth on social media and then when the and ball throws to balls them in the air. it hits them in the hands and they don't catch it and I'm sorry. I'll, All right. I get it. I get where you're going. Listen, Hollywood made one tweet, and we're riding that tweet like it was a, a trend thing. He hasn't been somebody to run his mouth consistently on Twitter. He made when one you, poor decision with it and then decided to get off of he it. He also wasn't predicting the Super Bowl in week uh, uh, 13 either. True. Right. But, right. But the other thing when that comes. You're, you're the brother of a Brown. You cannot run your mouth on Twitter and get the benefit of doubt. No. You can't do it. But the other thing that comes with Hollywood and, and it's it's going to be my this is going to be my lead in into the Dallas game and, and trans, yeah. transition us into this Dallas game because I have a new nickname for Hollywood. OK, real simple. Pansy Brown, <laughs> because he's afraid to get hit. I'm sorry. Every play yeah. he's running out of bounds. The, the one play he literally ran three or two and a half yards backwards towards the line of scrimmage instead of turning and running upfield where he would have gotten another two yards. Instead, he got stopped where he was when he caught the ball. But did you see the tweet of him catching that touchdown and the ball makes his body look like a three-year-old? <laughs> I did. Oh, oh I know. You, like, wouldn't you be <laughs> I don't understand. But that was when the patch on like your that. jersey takes up your entire shoulder pad, you know you're a little bit too small but to be in that But that's the thing, jersey. though, is he put on all this weight so that he could, so that he could take hits and he – but and I feel exactly he's right. lost a step, and he's still afraid to take the hit. There's too many yeah. times where he he does this like stutter step move, like he's gonna you know make a, a shifty move like Lamar does, and he just he's never really been that guy. He's been the speed guy. You get I him think, in the open I think field, the he's most gone. frustrating part of this game with Hollywood was the catch over the middle that should have been, but he put up one hand to try oh, to catch yeah. it. I mean, you do come equipped with two hands. Put both hands up. Literally, any other wide receiver on this squad would have made that catch last night. It was the back, and it was the backhand too. It wasn't, you know, he he wasn't right. going up, and it didn't hit off his front. It was he was he was going for the one handed catch the whole way, and yeah. it was very clear, I very evident. He was going he for a catch. His fingers didn't even move. He just like hit it with a, a racket. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's too worried about everything else that's going on. Where's the defender? Am I going to get hit? He's right. got all these things to me. It's, I have no idea, but this is what I think is going on. He's got all this stuff going on in his head that he's not focused on his number one job, which is catching the freaking football. Wasted talent right there. We all said this but, guy had speed. He had the ability when you get him in open field to do well, but it's wasted talent. And it's, I tell you what, in my opinion, it's not at this point, it's not on Lamar and Greg Roman's end. It's on his end. I've talked about it at, at nauseum before. He's not beating his receivers on a regular basis. He's afraid to get hit over the middle. That that play, I think he he knows there's a defender coming out of the backfield, and he knows a defender is touching him behind him. He yeah. is covered. He's looking and afraid for the hit. He's bracing them for the hit before he even has the ball. It's not Lamar's fault, in my opinion, but it's still a little bit of Greg Roman. You're not using him in the plays that you see Cheetah being used in. You're not seeing him in the bubble screens. You're not seeing him in the end arounds. The only bubble screen in that in the Steelers game was the one that got called back for illegal formation. Like if they're if he's scared to get hit, there are ways to get him the ball in space, and we're not doing that ball across the middle. It's pretty obvious that's not his deal. Why are we throwing a drag route across the middle with the linebackers? That's okay. not where he is. Because he did yeah, that last really year in open space, and in open space he was fine. Right. So like, to your well, that, that goes to your before, point a little bit. Before we get too much into this, before we get too much into the Cowboys 
actual game itself, right? We got to talk about what happened just prior to the game because I think this is kind of the big story, right? Obviously, a lot of the hype going into this game was the return of Des Bryant, you know, going against his former team and the Cowboys, and he's pumped. He's out in the he's out on the field like an hour or two before anybody else out there warming up. Well, 30 minutes prior to the game, he gets pulled from warm-ups due to a positive COVID test, which is fine, right? This is what they're supposed to do. Pull them off the field the minute that you find out that they're positive. But here's the question. Apparently, earlier in the day, he had taken another test that came up as inconclusive. If the test was inconclusive, what the hell was he doing on the field to begin with? 1,000% agree with you. This baffled my mind. And here's why. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take us back for a second to our opening image and let the fans kind of see the picture. If you didn't see it, in the opening image here, and the song's not going to play, so you don't have to worry about that. This is a picture on the left-hand side of Dez greeting a Cowboys player pre-game before this game. Not only does he, does he embrace him, he wound up giving him a hug, but the entire time, Dez's mask is down. Yeah. How in I know. any they were when they said it afterwards, they were like, oh, the contact tracing came up that he was fine and there, you know, there was no risk. <laughs> I saw the risk. I Bleed saw purple on TV. Bleed purple so. says that he must have been in our group chat yesterday when we were going back and forth with this. Bleed purple says, man, Jerry Jones was written <laughs> all over it. Yeah, hey, I mean, exactly, that's exactly the text I said. <laughs> yeah, we all, we all said the same thing. Something seemed fishy with the whole thing from the beginning. Uh, like I said, I just I don't understand why he was out on the field to begin with. If 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 the test is inconclusive, you have to take that as you're a positive until proven right. negative. It's in my eyes. It's an assumed positive. If I can't yeah. say for sure that you're negative through this test, it's an assumed positive. How was he allowed to even get to the facility? First off, second off, I get he was tested, but he was tested off site. Why are yeah. we not testing these guys before? There's no proof that I, I guess maybe you have a list. There's a you know there's a bouncer at the front door going, "You're not on the list. You can't get in." Right? Like, is that what's right. happening? If so, there's nothing to say this guy couldn't have picked up COVID between there here and there. And I know it's not going to show up in you know ten minutes, fifteen, twenty minutes. It's not going to happen. He had it. If it showed a positive, he had it two days ago. Simple as that. I'm going to tell you now, if there's a, another outbreak with the Ravens or with the Cowboys in the next day or two, this shit's going to get real ugly real quick for the Ravens. It's They're going to get fine. I think, Drew, I think you said it was like you were saying like a million dollar fine. You can see them losing like a draft pick or two. I mean, do you think this is this is going to be the Ravens are going to be made of an example here? I wonder if it's too. I don't, I don't know. I wonder if it's too late to make them example out of them. Considering, I mean, you only got a few weeks left. I guess you could still make an example out of them. But I, I, I do foresee something. At least a million dollar fine. I think I said as Like even the times I've said two million dollars, which is still I know that's still kind of like a drop in the bucket for NFL teams. But like it to me, you know, screw that. But are are you going to take a second or a third from them? Because right. that's really vital nowadays especially when we usually do pretty good in those rounds now yeah and yeah. and it's going to be yeah, catastrophic I, I with us because we're yeah. getting ready to be really up against the cap we got some big contracts we just signed so we're going to have to replace some talent with some high round draft picks we can't afford to lose draft picks now and you have a few a couple less now with the Ngakwe trade and right some other things happening yeah. Right. There's a lot. There's a lot going on here, and this is 
This is going to be an evolving story. I said, I told my wife when we were sitting there, she was like, why are they still playing the game? Because she saw the same thing. We all saw the video of him on the field. So it's like, why was the game still played? We all know why it was played. It was because of this. It was because of money. They they were yes. concerned about the money. You already had delayed it with uh, what NBC or yeah, it was NBC or Fox. It was a Fox game, so they delayed. They had already delayed it for Fox, so that was already an issue. That's why it was done. That's why this game was still played. Because let's be real, if it was up to some of the the people that probably make decisions, I'll tell you what, there were probably some pissed off people on the Cowboys. Especially anybody that embraced Des. It's 100% the first game they've played within 48 hours of a positive test. So yeah. they're obviously we're changing their their standards there. Um, with the non-exposure, I don't, I can't say this for certain, but I swear I heard that their standard for an exposure is like really high. So like it's within the six feet barrier for over 15 minutes without masks on. So. I, that's 15 minutes is a pretty long time to be close to somebody how, on how the do you, team. How do you right. test How do you test? I, it's a weird standard, but that's what I remember it being. But how do you test <laughs> it? Like, clearly that failed, right, with the, the coach, the, the strength and conditioning coach that didn't have his mask on. And I, I give, as much as I hate how he runs his mouth, I give Stephen A a lot of credit because he brought up the point. This is not just, and this is where I, I asked the question, Drew, of will they, you know, be made an example of? Because there were people walking around that building that are paid a lot of money that knew he was walking around without a mask. As many guys as he had contact with, without a mask on, they knew it was known. And that's why I think they will be made an example of, I expect yeah. draft picks. I expect heavy fines. And if this blows up, I'm going to say I could, if this blows up and we have another outbreak, I'm going to say I could wind up seeing us having to forfeit a game. If it if, if it affects another team that much, how do They've you make it made it very example? clear there's no Week 18. That's what you know from yeah, this game right. being yeah. played this they're week, is there either. will be no Week 18. Yeah, so no, a forfeit's your only choice. Yeah. Well, so, you know, after that, too, the other thing that kind of concerned me was <clears throat> immediately I go to Twitter and I'm looking at Des Bryant's profile, and he's tweeting from the locker room or his car or wherever he was. I have no idea, but his instant reaction was, that's it, I'm quitting, can't handle this. Like, as much as this guy's been through to get back in the league three years removed, man, I hope that was just an emotional tweet because I think this guy can really add something to this offense the more and more he gets comfortable and the more Lamar gets comfortable with him. But at the same time, he has every right. Like, it's it's an emotional statement, right? And he said yeah. since then that he is, you know, he, he doesn't plan on quitting. It was just, it was an emotion at the time. But he has every right to go through that emotion because just hours beforehand, he was told he, he was fine. That was right. his interpretation. He was fine. He was able to go down to the stadium. He was fine enough for them to let him into the stadium. Right. He was fine enough for him to go on the field. So I get his emotion. He was there. He had already embraced all these people. He knew that. He right. knew all these things. So for him, it baffled his mind and said, you know, I can imagine being in his shoes. The conspiracy theories start probably rolling in his, in his head. Right, that's where the oh, Jerry yeah. Jones stuff probably in his head starts getting spun up, because of the fact that one hundred percent. And he's another one. He's another one that's gone public with his struggles with depression and anxiety and that kind of stuff. He that talked he's about had it in Fox pregame. 
Exactly. So, I mean, this could have just very well been, like you said, it's just an overly emotional reaction to it. Um, you know, after the game, he's he's showing support for his teammates. His teammates are showing support for him. So all that's good. I just, I really believe that Des can add something to this offense. I really yeah. do. As an outside receiver, I'm not saying he's going to be the number one guy on this team, but I think with him out there, I think we can see some improvement from some of the other guys because he takes it off of them. Yeah. Well, so... Des, some of us in the in the group chat were expecting Des to have a big game, myself included. Mm-hmm. But obviously, he doesn't play. But what yeah, I, you were so wrong. <laughs> shut up, Ryan. Like you so knew wrong. ahead of time. Anyway, you didn't get a click on that one. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, hey, not not as wrong as some of our other uh, companions in that chat. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the two that aren't here tonight. Conveniently, they <laughs> didn't, want, the they didn't want to get on the show. Uh, no, yeah, so, right. But the thing I think we had to call out in this game was. What we saw out of Lamar in this game, you know, yeah. despite being out for COVID and and having, you know, not not being able to practice, but one practice, he was allowed one practice. I think it was what uh, Saturday or Sunday that he was allowed yeah. to do the, the, the you know physical walkthrough practice. Outside of that, he really didn't get much. Comes out has a pretty decent game, and I'll give you credit, Drew. Drew called before the game; he was going to have ninety plus yards rushing with a TD rushing, and he said two passing TDs, and he had exactly that. Drew with a hundred passing yard, one hundred seven passing yards, two TDs, the one interception which we are putting on Hollywood, thirteen carries for ninety four yards, and that one TD. Great to see. Yeah, I, I thought overall he had a pretty good game, considering, like you said, uh, to, to your point. He sat out for all that time, uh, missed last week's game. He literally only got one practice in. Now, everybody did say that he was in all the the virtual meetings and all that stuff. Virtual meetings are great, but until you get out there and you're practicing with your guys, man, it, it can really throw you off. And you saw that in this game. I mean, he had his highs. He had his lows. He had some missed throws. He left yeah. a lot of yardage on the field, uh, but he also made some good throws. You know, that, that touchdown that he threw, as much shit as we want to give the Hollywood, you know, he ad-libbed on that route, went back into the back corner of the end zone, and Lamar dropped a dime to him. Perfect Probably pass. one of the better toe taps that I've seen out of Hollywood. Uh, it, was, it was a great catch, great throw. So, again, and then on the, on the opposite side of that, Lamar misses uh, Miles Boykin in the back of the end zone late on an easy touchdown pass. What would have been an easy touchdown pass, he throws at his feet. Yeah, that was that was the, probably the 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 one that I was surprised because everything we've seen out of Lamar on those deep throws has it, it's either it's on deep throws it's usually he's short on short throws it's usually he's high and long that's what we've been seeing that was a, a, a 15, 20 yard throw to Max and he winds up burying it in the ground about five yards before him right so that yeah. was that was the big that I was like eh but I'm I'm gonna attribute you know he wasn't out there. You know, getting the 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 reps in, He's timing not, and rhythm. Exactly. So I, I kind of I give him a, a loose a loose grade on on this game because of the fact that he didn't have the time on the field to practice. The thing I won't give him a loose grade, whatever the hell that means, but the, a loose grade on uh, <laughs> is going to be the arm angles. Like that's yeah. something that is it's continues to be a problem. It's part of Lamar's game. And it's kind of what makes him and Patrick Mahomes unique is that they can kind of throw the ball from any which angle, throw it around a defender, throw it over a defender. He can do a little bit of everything. But there's unnecessary times that he drops his arm down to this sidearm throw. And when he does that, he gets too much air under the ball. There were a couple of throws that he threw over uh, a couple of receivers' heads in this game. That's something that I think he can actively improve on. 
Uh, again, we're, we hold Lamar to a high standard. This guy was the MVP last year, right? And we're all hoping that he's going to get back to that at some point, to that kind of level. Those, those are the little like intricate things, I think, in his game that he can work on and improve. I, I, I get what you're saying with the arm angles. The, the thing that I think that plays a factor into that is vision. Because he, sometimes he does have that good vision, just like Pat Mahomes, in that he sees the guy in front of him and sees that slot that the only way he can throw it is to throw it under the, underneath the arms, the, the arm of the, uh, the, uh, the defensive line and know that it's going to get around him because that defensive lineman's going up for the ball, not down to the side. So I get it, but it's the vision to know now's the time to throw it to the side. Now's the time to throw it over top. Um, right. And I'm going to beat Ryan to it because there's a, there's a guy that that's similar, and I'm not making this comparison by any means. So stating that right now. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Tim Tebow had a similar oh, issue. Oh, uh, Jesus. That they tried to fix. End the show. Cut. <laughs> yeah, Cut. Lamar's a, Lamar's I said a fullback. I wasn't comparing you him. First. God. Yeah, I'm going to bed. Uh, I said I wasn't yeah. comparing him. But no, you get what I'm saying, though. That with the, Everybody was talking about the slot. The problem with Tim Tebow is he just defaulted to those slots. Lamar, yeah. Lamar has worked on it. It's just when he gets comfortable or when he's uncomfortable, he just he he defaults to it. Rarely, but it happens enough that it's like, eh, if you would have just gone over top, you'd had it, you'd have had a good release point, and the ball would have been coming out of the perfect spot. But if you're not, the ball's getting released back here instead of up here, and that's what's causing. It's just like a, ba- a pitcher in baseball. You release it back here, it's going high. You release it here, and that's where it's going. It's going to go straight towards towards where you're throwing it to. Yeah. The thing we're, we got to remember, we're being uber critical. The guy oh, was yeah. 12 of 17, right? He missed five passes, and we're honing in on each single one of those. Why couldn't they have been complete? Why couldn't he have been 17 to 17? Okay, we're being a little unrealistic. 17 passes. There's quarterbacks throwing 50 each week. No, so we're I get, already watering it down. I get that, but not every quarterback's running for 94 yards and a touchdown on a 37-yard run for four, on fourth and two either. The so, one thing we have to, I do have to say is if Hollywood is taking credit for the interception, which I agree – uh, I think Miles Mo- Boykin needs to take way more than 50% of the of that touchdown because that was a bad throw yeah. that he yeah. adjusted really well to. He got his balance, then broke a tackle to make that touchdown. That's the most impressive play uh, of Boykin's career. Oh, period. we all yeah. we all were like, Boykin! <laughs> like, oh, my God! <laughs> it started, but what impressed me the most was just the fact that Lamar even threw it his fucking way. Right. Like, the fact that he trusted him enough to even throw it his way. And then, and then threw it eight feet behind him. Was, <laughs> yeah. Right. It was no, that's And that's... That's, that's the kind of confidence booster I think Miles needs in himself, and I think that's the kind of confidence booster, booster that Lamar needs in Miles too because Lamar needs to see that Miles can make those type of tough catches when the lights are on in a big game, and he was able to do that. Fred, in this game, how much do you think he actually missed Andrews? Because remember, Andrews was inactive oh. for this game due to the COVID. In this offensive system that Greg Roman runs – you know, and, and Lamar's comfortability between the numbers, 100% he misses him. You know, when Marquise Brown is your leading receiver with five catches for 39 yards, yeah, he misses his pass-catching tight end. You win the Steelers game with Andrews. I mean, that that at the tight end gets yeah. the ball yeah. in both hands. Andrews yeah. is not losing that. No, yeah. no. <laughs> well, but, you know, so the, the thing that, that comes into play in both these games is, especially in this game, the run game. We yeah. saw them stick with the run game. Now, it wasn't quite what we've ta- the four of us have talked about before is feed the hot hand. And we continue to see in this game, this is, this is my biggest criticism. Mark Ingram was averaging 
about two yards a carry. And yet he's still out there before J.K., who goes off on like a 16-yard run and then gets put on the sideline. What the hell? Making them both look bad. Right. Yeah, <laughs> this this wasn't a game to use the example of, uh, of using the hot hand because both Gus Edwards, J.K. Dobbins, Lamar Jackson, I mean, even, I, even Mark Ingram on some of his runs uh, looked good. You rush for 296 yards as a team. That's what this team did well last year. That's what got yeah. them the 14-2 the and two record last year was leading the NFL in rushing. 296 yards, again, now granted, it was against a piss-poor defensive front. The Cowboys' defensive front's one of the worst in the National Football League against the run. But still, this is the kind of ground-and-pound t- football that the Ravens need to get back to if they want to be successful, and I think if they want to carry themselves into a playoff. Spot. If you guys can remember last year, 2019, before the mouth of hell opened, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the turnaround point of that season was what? When we threw the special teams off the field and went for it on fourth down. Yeah. We yeah. had that moment in this game. And it, was, oh, it was only Lamar's call. Like, right, everyone right. else was wandering slowly. And Lamar's like, get off my field. I got this. All right, and you- that's. Fourth and two goes for fifty-seven yard just, rushing touchdown. Just, just so you know, Mark Ingram had four point seven yards per carry in that game. Just to make sure, I was gonna say I knew what. Well, no, two but yards. he no, he started. Yeah. He, he started point two. Started off by two yards. He started. That's what I said. I said he yeah. started at two two yards a carry. It was he was not get, he was barely getting past the line of scrimmage at the beginning of the game, especially in no, the first quarter. So yeah. that's what that was my point. But I'm gonna all right, Ryan. You had to say special teams, didn't you? Just like they had to talk about the 70 straight field goals within 40 yeah. yards for Justin Tucker. Yet again, the curse of the commentators comes out. Yeah, the commentator curse is definitely a thing at this point. Like, Christ, I mean, <laughs> literally, how do you make 70 straight field goals with inside the 40? And the minute somebody says something about it, you miss it in your own home stadium with no fans. Now, granted, it was a windy night, but... What the? There hell were a lot that? of missed field goals that night. I don't know if it was 100. percent There were a few rookie. There were a <laughs> yeah, few rookie a uh, rookie kickers on the field at the, at the time. So or no, right. Boswell, oh, Boswell missed. Z- it, I was going to say Greg DeLeg missed what five field kicker. goals in this game. Like, like <laughs> yeah. shot in my ass. That's over. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. He missed, he missed as many <laughs> kicks as I would have. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, so uh, like I, that whole thing, like you saw as soon as it happened. Tucker, like his face, they immediately went to him, and his face was like, like motherfucker. <laughs> like, that. yeah, but you know what? He bounced back on his next kick. Right. He made the field goal. It's not going to do you know any harm. That's why he's the it best. Was kicker. So close. How was that not challenged? How did we not go to a camera angle on that? <laughs> I know. Go ahead, Drew. I just, but how do you have a false start by Bozeman on a fucking field goal? I know. Like, I know. it's a field goal. Come on, like, <laughs> yeah. If, Hold your ground. If we're not getting a first-round center next year, I don't know what we're doing because I, I don't know what's going on with our offensive line. They're snapping balls overheads. It everything. was one so, bad snap. I'm not going to okay, throw in the towel. Every game. It's every it, game. No, it, the, separate, the problems with the snaps guys. were Skura. The problems right. with the snaps were Skura. Since Makari's been in there, they haven't had a problem with snaps. It was literally one snap. And that's Look, so the average I'm not fan, if you know the Makari. center's name, the center's a problem. <laughs> and people know their name at this point. <laughs> okay. Anyway, I don't know. I'm more concerned with how the defense looked in this yeah. game. Defense was rough. You know, you got Andy Dalton 
leading the Cowboys out there. And Andy Dalton marched up and down the field against this secondary that we all boasted in the beginning of the year as being one of the best secondaries in the league. Now, yeah. granted, they were missing Jimmy Smith. Yeah, I get yeah. that. And Jimmy Smith is a big factor. Huge. Uh, you know, we did get Anthony Averett, which he's cheeks. Jeez. Said that a hundred times last night. Last night. <laughs> I don't know how many he's times bad. I saw in the chat last night. Jesus. <laughs> but no, like he just. I mean, granted, it was his first game back, but man, they were exploiting him. They bad. were. They were exploiting him. The other thing, like they talked about it pregame when they were talking about Calais Campbell, and I think it was. Uh, oh God, who's the who's the bald headed guy that was that they were talking to pregame? I drawn a freaking blank. Uh, Jake Glazer. They were talking oh, with Jake Glazer okay. pregame, and he was saying he talked with Calais, and Calais was saying that he was feeling about 85%. But Fred, he was like 45. I was going to say, Fred, you said you didn't feel like he was even close to that. No, he was like 40% out there. He looked like a, a 60-year-old man coming out there to play NFL football. He couldn't move. He had no speed. Like he, I mean, he couldn't chase Andy Dalton down. Get out of here. He, he looked rough. I mean, I, I mean, I get it that, like, you want your Pro Bowl-type players out there, especially in a quote-unquote must-win, you know, if you want to get into the playoffs, that kind of thing. But, man, I, it's not worth the the risk to me for further injury. Uh, when you've got guys, you know, you did have Brandon Williams back out there, which Huge. Brandon Williams looked good in this game. He was about Brandon the Williams, one yeah. He was a force. He was about the reckoned. one bright spot in this defense in this game. Hey, he's back um, and we win. That continues his little thing of when he's not in, we usually lose. Yeah. I just, I just can't figure this defense out, man. The defense looked good two weeks ago against the Steelers. Without them, they get those guys back, and then, it, like, they, like I said, Andy Dalton's marching up and down the field. Ezekiel Elliott looked more like his old self than he had, you know, at all this year. Like, it just, I don't know. The defensive front in this game did not have a good game. And, like I said, the secondary. And it wasn't just not having Jimmy Smith out there. Marcus Peters got beat yet again in this game. Marlon got beat in this game I have to for call, a touchdown. I have to call this out. And I don't like I don't pay attention honestly at this point. I don't pay attention to Facebook anymore, but it occasionally comes up on my feed from some of the groups that I'm in. And if you're listening and you're in one of those groups, listen closely. For the person that sat there and said that Marlon Humphrey was worse than Marcus Peters, get the hell out of here. Marlon Humphrey, he got you know, there were, he had an okay game. It wasn't his best game. I'll, I'll admit that. But Marcus Peters, the continued idea of his, of this risk versus reward, is starting to hurt us on a regular basis. I know the we won that, this game. I, th I think the thing still. that frustrates me with Marcus Peters the most is just sometimes it looks like effort. You know what I mean? Like, you know that the Fair talent's yeah. there, okay. and you know how good he is, and I get the, the gambling part of Marcus Peters, right? And I know he's going to make some boom plays and he's going to make some bust plays. I get that. It just seems the bust plays continue to happen week in and week out. We yeah, haven't boom. seen, we haven't yeah. seen anything. We but, haven't seen any big plays. We haven't had any pick sixes that kind of offset those, right? The thing with the thing with Marcus though, is it would be one thing if he's reading the quarterback's eyes the whole way. It's not like these quarterbacks are looking Marcus Peters off. He's getting right. beat. He's just straight getting beat on some of these routes because he's trying to he's trying to press too much and hope that they're going to do with this under route and they wind up going over him and every time it feels like that he gets beat over top, they're going to him. And it's funny is like last night, right? As I'm watching this game, I was thinking about it. It's like Amari Cooper is the Marcus Peters of wide receivers, like. 
you know that Amari Cooper is like this super talented wide receiver. And when he turns it on, he can be one of the best wide receivers in the game. Just like Marcus Peters, when he turns it on, he can be one of the best corners in the game. But then he'll go like missing for a long time. And he just yeah. doesn't look like he he just doesn't look like he puts in a hundred percent effort at times. And I feel like Marcus Peters suffers from that same disease. Well, Mari Cooper made made Marcus Peters look like an idiot last night. Oh, yeah, he did. He 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 made him look silly. Like it yeah. was ridiculous. He got past him not just once, but two or three times he got past him for a reception and big yardage. That was right. the problem. And to have him on that, I put that a little bit on Wink that you got to look at those matchups. I understand what's happening, but at some point, if they're going to Amari and he's getting he's beating Marcus, flip it for for a series. Yeah. Let Marlon cover him. See what happens. Maybe the payoff of Marcus switching, maybe he gets an interception. But you continue right. to stick with him being on Amari Cooper. It wound up hurting us. Anthony, Anthony Averett was another guy that he just looked cheeks. rough. Looked like cheeks. I, I got to go back to Marcus Peters for a little bit. It's been true for a long time. Marcus Peters was great in the NFC Championship Rams team. The next year they become non-competitive and he disappears. He gets traded to us, who was a competitor at the time, and goes off. And now we lose three out of four and he disappears. So it's like yeah. he's only playing for a Super Bowl. And as soon as he checks out off his list, it's like, we're not winning the Super Bowl. I'm just going to collect my check. Right. And that's so what, it seems to, that's at least it three seems years to of, be what pattern. it is. hundred yeah. percent. I, yeah. I, I agree with that. Sticking in the secondary. This is something that kind of jumped out to me last night and is thinking about it. And I wanted to get your guys' opinions on it. Right. So I think we all agree that Deshaun Elliott has been a very good safety in replacement of Earl Thomas, right? I think yes. we all wanted to see him stay healthy and all get his opportunity. My question is, just watching him play now, we're, what, 14 weeks into the season, or 13 weeks through the season going into week 14. There's there's something missing about his game from a free safety yeah. standpoint. I'm not like, blown he away just, by he, him. He doesn't have that ball hawking and i get it we're spoiled right we're spoiled by ed reed and we set we have a very high bar i get that but a free safety is supposed to be a guy who is rangy and who goes and plays the ball with him as hard hitting as he is and, and liking to play in the box and all of that to me he seems like a strong safety yeah. playing out of position at this point but when you got him and you know i, I just don't know what you do with Chuck Clark out there. You can't put Chuck Clark as a free safety because that's not his game either. No, it's not it's not his game and this is this is where I think when he's in the lineup this is where I think you make the move on Jimmy Smith. Jimmy Smith becomes Jimmy your, Smith's got to stay healthy too. I agree, agreed with that, but when he's on the field if he if you put him in in that free safety position, Jimmy Smith has the ability to read a, a QB. And, and hear me out on this. If Jimmy Smith's not on the field, if we can get more depth at the cornerback position, I'm curious to get your take on this. With how he plays, could Marcus Peters make a transition to a free safety position and really exploit things the way he's risk versus reward? Nah, I don't think I don't think you do that. Um, I'm saying long term. Yeah, I, I don't think it would be good. And, and listen, I'll be honest with you. When Jimmy's been healthy this year and when he's been on the field, he's been our best corner this year. 
Like, and and I, I wouldn't want to take that away and put him at safety. I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. I do think that maybe long-term for Jimmy Smith, he might have to eventually move to the safety position. And I think that he has the ability. He has the, 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 the football IQ. He's got the speed to be able to play the safety position. I just think that as, as, as solid as I thought we were at the safety position, I don't think I'm ready to say that, Deshaun Elliott is our true free safety of the future, that that might be something on the Ravens wish list come off season, come draft. Now, granted there's other priorities, yeah. but I do think that that's something that the Ravens will look at next year. I, I think they, they have to, they have to explore the options. You know, you and I were talking about this pre-show. He had that blatant pass interference call against CD lamb that they should have been called and wasn't. And that's him playing his man, not the ball, as a free safety kind of should. Right. But then do you then put that a little bit on Wink for putting him in that position to have to play man versus zone? It seems like to me, they they later in the game, they move a little bit more towards a man coverage versus zone coverage. Am I wrong on that? I don't know. It's... It's schemes. It's it's what Wink Martindale does. It's what he draws up. Um, I think a lot of times he leaves guys out there on islands, right? Because he tries to create so much pressure consistently. And that that was another thing. So let's talk a little bit about that. That was another thing that was absolutely non-existent in this game, right? The Dallas Cowboys do not have a very good offensive line, no. right? They did years ago. They don't have a very good offensive line right now. And obviously, we didn't have Matt Judon out there because of COVID, yeah. right? Uh, you got Calais Campbell out there at about 40 50%. He's nowhere near what he normally would be. Yannick, now, I know he's getting pressures, but he hasn't been able to get home yet at all since he's been here. And, you know, we didn't see anything out of any of the other guys in this. So we had one sack in this game, and it came from Ward, the guy that you would least <laughs> expect the sack come from. Uh, I don't know. To me... Pass rush is a big area of opportunity still with this team, even after getting a guy like Yannick in the fold. Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely some we, we knew that that was a, something they need to work on. And I think we thought that Yannick could really help it. But it, I can't say a lot in this game because you're missing Judon and you're you also know that Calais Campbell isn't fully healthy. So we know that Calais has been getting enough pressure to be able to get his hand on the ball consistent, fairly consistently. And we know that Brandon Williams plays a big game in, in the rushing game. Yannick, I think, helps with that as well. Judon sets the, sets the edge on the outside. Maybe he's not getting the sacks that he is, but he's still getting the pressures that are there. So when these guys are there and healthy, I think we do see a difference. It's not the numbers that we all thought they would be with the, the high sacks and everything like that. But when you create pressure, you create turnovers. We've seen this is a team that, that can, from a defensive standpoint, create turnovers on a regular basis. I mean, I think we were, what, 11 or 4, or I think it may have been 14 straight games that we had a turnover at one point, right? Yeah. So it's there. This defense can do it, and when you do that, a lot of those turnovers I know are coming from the secondary, but it's sometimes rush throws and not seeing the guy that's wide open and seeing the guy that's covered well against Marlin who's able to punch out the ball. I was going to say, a lot of those turnovers have come from punch outs as right. well. But at the same time, it, it's it's one of those things that, are these guys able to create pressure? Yes, they are. Are they getting to the quarterback and finishing, like you said? No, but I don't know 
I don't know where your fix is right now. I can't say. Right. Well, listen, the Ravens got to figure it out, right? Because they're sitting right now at seven and five from the outside looking in as far as the playoffs go. And I get it. They don't have the, the hardest or the toughest of schedules coming up. But they've got a very tough schedule or a very tough game coming up this week. Yeah. This is going to be their, their their toughest matchup, I think, left on the schedule as they go on the road for Monday Night Football against the nine and three. Let me say that again: the nine and three Cleveland Browns in I'm, Cleveland. I'm going to pause you there for a second because you can say nine and three, and everybody's going, "Oh, this is a nine and three team with a negative point differential. How the hell does that happen?" <laughs> because we because Baltimore and Pittsburgh blew the shit out of them already. Right. <laughs> right. But that's that's my and, point. And all their other games were in the like monsoon storms. <laughs> so nobody scored any points. <laughs> I'll give them credit for what they did to Tennessee. Yeah. Agreed. It was an impressive but win. For Christ's sake, I mean I, I, you play the schedule you're on. I mean, I get that. But I hope a lot of points are scored because I got a couple of fantasy championships that lean on some Browns running backs. I want the Ravens to win. <laughs> well, the Browns sit right now at second place in the North. We're behind them, regardless of how we got in yeah. there, or how the Browns have gotten there. They're nine and three. We're not. We're we're sitting at seven and five. We're behind them. Uh, so this is a very important game, I think, for the Ravens in many ways. Uh, if they, like I said, if they want to get into one of these wild cards, now granted, thank God we've got three wild card chances this year versus a normal two. Yeah. Uh, so we do have that extra slot to get in there. Uh, Des is going to have to miss this game due to the COVID role because he won't be cleared in time for the game. So still he's a, out. I would say still a huge question mark surrounding COVID with this game because we don't know what's going to come out of the situation with Des. He was right. he was at practice. He was at the facility. If he was if he had it two to three days beforehand and passed it along to somebody. In the, in the locker room, we won't know then. We won't know if he passed it on the field to anybody or in the locker room game day to anybody or if he passed it over to the Dallas Cowboys right. to anybody. There's still a lot of question marks. So as of right now, you say Dez is out of this game and he's the only one, but and everybody else is you know supposed to return. But there's a big question mark here because we could wind, wind up losing the other half of our starters. If, if Didn't he also retire via Twitter? <laughs> yeah, and then unretired. Oh, and then unretired. Yeah, he's a good win team at the end of the night, though. So. <laughs> right, exactly. After, after he told everybody to show their uh, wine glass with him, he was yeah. COVID positive drinking wine, people. This is what we're doing. He might right. be like 10 snaps the rest of the season. Uh, <laughs> well, the Ravens will get back some key cogs uh, as they'll get Mark Andrews, Lamar's security blanket. We just yeah. talked about Matt Judon. We will have that other edge rusher out there, which we're going to need in this game because – the ticket for the Browns beating beating the Ravens is controlling and controlling the the ground game and running the ball down our throats with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. I know that's what Ryan wants to hear because of fantasy purposes, but that's been their and mo. We win by one point. <laughs> that's been their mo. They combined for 132 yards against this last name. Now, granted. We beat their ass last game, 38 to six in the opener this year. I mean, we 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 beat them bad. Uh, but these are two teams at two different points. You know, we were still riding the high of last year. We had everybody healthy going into that season opener. The Browns had a lot of question marks as to what was, you know, what they were doing. And OBJ was talking about being traded. Like, all this shit was going on at that time. Well, a lot of things have settled down for the Browns. They're playing better. Baker Mayfield's playing a lot better than he's played throughout his career. He looks more like he did his rookie year. Uh, I don't know. 
I, I don't think this is going to be a walk in the park by any means. We are not beating the Browns 38-6 this time, I don't believe. No, it's not going to happen. I mean, the last time you, you talked about 38-6, right? Lamar threw 275 yards and three TDs. I don't yeah. know that we've seen that out of him, that much out of him the rest of the season. And he rushed for only 45 yards, one of his lower of the season. So right. it's it's a completely different situation. It's a completely different scenario. I hope they come out with a game plan that, that really caters to what we do best with that run game, then opens up the passing game. But from a defensive standpoint, like you said, we've got to stop Chubb. You've got to stop Baker. When Baker gets the ball out quick, Baker's deadly. He right. can be deadly. And when he starts opening up those, those uh, routes across the middle, the tight ends and everything, that's what opens up the downfield passes we see out of him. He opens it up early in the beginning of the game and just continues to, to target the guys that he needs to and get the big, the big points. The thing I've noticed about Baker throughout his career is you can't let him get comfortable. You can't let him get confident early on in the game. you got to get after him early and often. you got to make him uncomfortable from the get-go. If you do that, he gets kind of out of sorts and he starts forcing balls, and that's where he starts making bad decisions yeah. and making turnovers. So the pass rush, in my opinion – is going to have to take a big step from this past week to this week against the Browns because if they want to be successful – now, listen, I told you this before. The Browns have a much better offensive line than they had last year. That's a big part of Baker's success this year is yeah. he's got a lot of time back there. So this is going to be a big task for the Ravens' defensive front. They've got to get after Baker. Agreed. I, I, so I'm going to ask you guys a question, right, because we saw this matchup before. These teams are in two different situations now. So does this game, and Fred, we'll start with you, does this game come down to talent or coaching? I think this comes down to coaching. I'll be honest with you. I think this is going to be a very close game. We'll talk about our predictions here in a minute. I think it's going to be a very close game. And <laughs> you got the, the seasoned vet in John Harbaugh, who's been around for a very long time, since 2008, right? And I think that was yeah. his first year, so he's been with the club now for 12 years. Going against... Stefanski from the Vikings, who has really, I mean, in a little bit of time that he's been there, turned this club around with basically essentially the, the, the same personnel. He upgraded some on the offensive line, and you can see just the difference in the way that this offense operates. They're very much, they're very much improved in that sense. And that's what he was known for in Minnesota, right? I like what Stefanski's doing in there in Cleveland. All right, so true. this is going to come down. I think the bigger factor is going to be coaching. Does Harbaugh make a stupid timeout, you know, call a stupid timeout? Does he not use his, like, you know, it, the, the last two minutes of the first half the right way, the last, you know, two minutes of the game the right way? Like, there's just so many in-game decisions that you, cr you scratch your head with Harbaugh that I haven't seen that with Stefanski. Yeah. You just reminded me, did we not challenge the interception by Fort that had a right, right oh, knee yeah, down very with clear. the ball controlled? <laughs> right. very, very clear. Drew, what do you think? Is this coach? Is this come down to coaching or talent? Uh, it's coaching. I, I think, I mean, it's. I think they are very evenly matched. You have two teams that want to run the ball at will, can run the ball at will. Baker's not a runner like Lamar, but they're both very capable quarterbacks to be able to lead your team to victories. All right. Uh, the defensive side is what kind of I look at as I hate to say it. I think Cleveland has the edge there because of the pass rush. Yeah. Their yeah. Secondary. I don't think our secondary is as good as ours, but you've seen what happens when we don't have a pass rush. 
Yep. And like yeah. you said, you need to kick his ass early and often. I mean, the Jets of all people did it last year. Yep. I mean, teams can have proven that that's what you need to do is make this kid take the cockiness right out of his goddamn head right. from the get-go. Because if you let him get up to 14 points like Tennessee did, it's you over. See it in his his it, it like it fueled the team, force him to yep. make bad decisions. That's what you got to so do. To, yeah, to me, it 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 is it. They're so easily matched. It does come down to coaching. You've got a guy that's. Uh, I'm I'm. If things go, I could see him being the uh, coach of the year in Stefanski. But you got a rookie coach versus a veteran coach that's been there, done that before. So you need to go out there and prove that you've been there, done that before. And like you said, no stupid shit. Yeah. Call a timeout at the right goddamn time. Don't throw a challenge flag on a first down questionable call when you know they're not going to return it because you couldn't see the ball. And then once it's the end of the second quarter and you're trying to make you know get a touchdown to take the lead, then you ran out of time. Yeah, I don't right. have the time now. Right. 100% agree. And I think, to your point, Miles, Miles Garrett, he's one of the most feared pass rushers in the NFL. So not having your, you know, franchise left tackle out there and Ronnie Stanley, who we had week one, you got Orlando Brown playing over there. Orlando Brown's done a good job, but we've all seen how erratic Lamar can get when he's not comfortable. Right. And Miles Garrett can make Lamar uncomfortable real quick. Ryan, you on the same page there? Uh, almost. Well, first of all, you you just got to keep your helmet on around Miles Garrett. That's the first thing. Yes. That's, the, that's the best way to not make him terrifying. Then second, it, I guess I lean coaching because I think it's more been like a motivation thing with this team. Like there's been this like with the Steelers, you throw the records out, right? It's, it's an evenly matched. We know it's going to come in within three points. With the Browns, it's almost been like a motivation thing. Like they came in feeling like these, like no one respects us and they beat the absolute snot out of us last year. In 2019, I was the only game I got to go to sitting next to Fred and watching him fall into a puddle next to me as they wiped the floor with us. Yeah, it was rough. <laughs> I, I, I was like, all right, Fred, I'm never coming again. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next and the next year, like the Ravens were like, we're going to take back our house. Like they embarrassed us and we're going to do the same thing to them. So unfortunately, they probably have the motivation here. They're the team that has to prove they fit. They're the ones here in that. Yeah, you haven't beat anyone that's a decent team. You have a negative point differential. You just got embarrassed by this team a couple weeks ago. So I think they're going to have some motivation. So we really got to pull it out. We got to edge this one out. By the way, uh, I can't go without letting this, you know, sharing this uh, chat question from Craig Zero. He says, can Fred outrun Scott? 100%. I got it. Fred, Fred thinks he's better than all, at all at everything than all of us. So are we, that's are, what we, the are, are is. we talking in 2020 or are we talking in 1999? What are we talking? Yeah, 1999. I got my money on Fred. <laughs> 2020. Uh, it's gonna be embarrassing. I'm still putting my way, nuts on your forehead Scott. with a dunk there, Ryan. Just keep saying it. He won't do it. <laughs> oh jeez. Oh wait. That's, please don't isolate that. that would be bad. <laughs> it's too late. That, no that, isolation. That's going down. <laughs> One hour, five minutes in. I know where it's at. <laughs> All right. All right, man. Before we get into our primetime predictions, want to do a quick social media shout out. Yeah, man. We got all the regulars in here. As always, I know. I appreciate you guys tuning in on a Wednesday night at 830. You guys are probably all snuggled up in your beds listening to Birdland BS. Look at these four ugly faces. I appreciate you. We appreciate you. Uh, Sam L. Jackson. Appreciate you tuning in, Steve. Craig Zero. Garnett. Uh, Dominic. Lip. Uh, who else we got? Bleed Purple. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Robbie. 
Uh, Alex, Chuck, as always, man, appreciate you tuning in. Alex Garnett. Uh, gosh, there's so many. See, we already have a lot of these people. A lot of the same people have been chiming in. Yeah, it's Josh. same guys as usual. Appreciate you guys tuning in, as always. Uh, but all right, man, let's do it. Primetime predictions. Straight into it. All right, got to kick it off. Straight into it, guys. So uh, we're going to just say this now. So two weeks ago, Fred had the, the pick to click uh, with this, the uh I think it was a Steelers game or no, it was a Seahawks game. Hey, week. Christopher, appreciate you tuning in too, man. Appreciate Sorry, it, man. Uh, so you had the pick to click Fred about two weeks ago. You got it. You were uh-huh. within one. Uh, this did. week. This guy. Yeah. This week. Drew. Drew had this the guy. Drew had the pick to click this past week as a guest pick. Drew, Drew had like the honorary pick to click. tried to rob me last night. <laughs> it was, it was, a, it's an honorary. You got like the Mo Gabba, you know, pick the <laughs> click. No oh, honorary. God. Bro. <laughs> Fred, that was Damn. uncalled the for. The honorary one. You know, the honorary. It's what we're going to do is we're going to name an honorary pick. The, I don't the think Mo I've been around enough to not be called honorary at this point. <laughs> no, you have. No. You have so, sure. Drew. That you, was dead on the almost dead on the money. You had it 3317. Just because. Just because. Uh but no, uh Fred in our in our uh tracking, Fred also had the click out of the, the five that we track right as of right now. Drew, you're gonna get added for next year. And we're also gonna see about trying to add a, a lot of the fans for next year. We're gonna figure something out on that. Uh yeah. but Fred also had the the uh Ravens game, the closest. I don't know how. Fred, you had the pick to click because you were within seven. Nobody nice. beat within seven. The next closest was eleven. So I'll how the it. heck that happened this week? I don't know. Uh, so I'm ready to pick to click next week. We're just gonna announce it now. So Fred, Fred <laughs> has eight pick to clicks. I have one. Brian has zero. James has one. Ryan has four, and Drew has one honorary. Yeah, I can't be honest. Right, how do you got, got this game going, man? Brian. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> for me, the Ravens Browns game, uh, I look at this game and this was this was literally a flip of the coin for me. I, I think this can go either way. It depends on what honestly, it depends on what version of Baker Mayfield shows up to this game. If it's the version I think will show up against the Ravens, it's gonna be a close game. And I think it's gonna be within three points. I've got this being a Ravens win. 24-21. Fred, how do you have it? I told you this game scares me, and I don't think that this is going to be anywhere near the game that it was week one. These are two totally different teams. Uh, we got a lot of injuries. The Calais-Campbell thing, especially against these two running backs, is going to be a big issue in this game. Uh, hopefully Brandon Williams stays healthy, and he's still in the lineup just to keep us in. Uh, but I, I don't think that this game goes well for the Ravens in the end. I, I think Baker Mayfield's running a hot hand right now. Uh, the secondary for us is kind of reeling. Is Jimmy Smith going to be healthy for this game, or is he not? I don't know. Uh, but Anthony Averett out there is not the answer right now. He just looks bad. No. I think the Browns do enough to win this game. I think the Browns win this 31-27. And that hurts me, man. Y'all know. I got to pick my boys, but – being realistic, I got to win this thing, right? I'm so close. Got one win over Ryan. I think the Browns win this 31 27. All right. Drew, who do you got? So I put I put the score down at first, it's 30 to 27. And then I, I swear I just sat there like, that's going to be the score. Do I, like, what team do I really zero? I, I think the Ravens pull it out. I think if that's one of those, it's, it's going to be a field goal late. Uh, I, I just, 
I think I just picked a homer pick. It. I think I want to go with the Browns because I could see it's like it scares me. I think yeah. this is the yeah. kind of thing where like if you play around, even from the get go, you're gonna lose. You can't yeah. do what you've done to Tennessee where you should have beat them. You can't do what you did to Pittsburgh the first go around where you should have beat them. You need to end up coming out here and kind of almost being like the Colts game where at some point you just you go in overdrive and you take this gap and then you never look back and you just hold them off. I want to see that happen, but I it's going to be close, but I got the Ravens taking them 30 to 27. All right. So Brian, I'm going to say Brian has this being 42 to 20 in favor of the Browns. He thinks the Ravens in a sense God, are somewhat blown right. out. I hope he's not right, but it is all the Cowboys won also. Right. <laughs> I can't go through another slaughter against the Browns. I don't want to do that. We will say that Brian wow. is in last place at this point and picked the Cowboys to win last week. And so did his counterpart, James, who also has the Browns winning in a much closer affair of 27 to 23. So, Ryan, are you going to tie this up or are you going to lean towards the Browns? Uh, no, I'm taking the Ravens. Uh, can you help me out with my score? Because my phone's really screwing with my mic. <laughs> I don't right. want to change the score on you. You had 42-31. So you have this being more than a one-score game in favor of the Ravens. Yeah, I... You know, I'm hoping that we can take what we did last week. When we had the lineman injuries, when we lost Ronnie Stanley a couple weeks ago, I came on here and I said, we're not going to have a choice. We have to run the ball. We have to go forward now. And yesterday was the very first time that I saw that. I saw that just, we're just going to do this. We're going forward. We're going to commit to work. it. Yeah, we're going to commit to it. We're not going to pull it out. We're not going to change on, you know, as soon as you have a second and 10, now we're throwing the ball. No, you just run again because – three runs ago you had a 30 yard run so try it with 10 yards to go too so right. just commit to it so i think we can put up good points i'm probably a little high on the scores because again the homer picks for trying to make fantasy work <laughs> but i went with that score all right. ravens 42 31 all right all thursday right. night football this was a tough week for me at least this was a tough week of primetime games yes all three of these games i legit had to sit there and really think about who i was going to pick uh, as you got the patriots going against the rams and the Patriots, this, for me, if you'd asked me three weeks ago, 100% I would have said the Rams and not even thought twice about it. The Patriots just beat the Los Angeles Chargers. What was it, 45 to nothing or some yeah. crazy shit yeah. like that? They just blew the Chargers out. And I think uh, Cam Newton threw for like 60 yards. Like 69. somehow they scored 45 points and finished 60 yards. <laughs> yeah, there it is, 69 yards, right. So I don't know how the Patriots are doing this, but they're going to figure out a way to stay in this game. But I think Sean McVay and, and the Rams do just enough to edge them out. I've got the Rams winning this 28-27 in a nail-biter. All right. I, I'm, I'm actually on the flip side. I do think it's a close game. I do think it's a close game. It's going to come down to one score. And I actually went with the same score that I did for the Ravens, 24-21 in favor of the Patriots here. The Patriots impressed me to an extent with, the game against Chargers. Now, I know the Chargers were missing some pieces, but to completely shut them out, the defense was able to step up, and the offense was able to put up put up numbers with the run game that has been, up to this point, okay. So I, I saw some things that I liked out of the Patriots. The Rams, they, they lost um, uh, crap. I forget the, the name. The, the uh, Their left tackle, um, Whitworth. Andrew Whitworth. Whitworth. He's he's gone. He's he's out for the season. He doesn't so golf has no protection on that left side as far as I'm concerned. This offensive line has been hit or miss all year. The defense has been hit or miss all year for them. 
I just look at this and I feel this is going to be a game that the Patriots kind of say put up or shut up, and they're going to put up in this game, and I think it's going to be 24-21 Patriots. Drew, what do you got? I got it, uh, Rams 20-10, to 10, the Pats. Uh, that Rams defense is really clicking. It's almost starting to be real reminiscent of their Super Bowl run. I think if if they don't stop Don, uh, Donald, and the other guy's name always escapes me, but I just think they, they do. They look like what they used to look like on defense. I think the only way the Pats pull this off is if it's evil Jared Goff that just <clears throat> is throwing terrible throws and, and or they're not like they're not protecting him and you know they just win the, the turnover battle. But right. I, I just see I've seen the Rams lately be pretty damn dominant on defense. So yeah, twenty to ten Rams. All right, Ryan, what do you got? That special teams and defense last week for the Patriots looked like the one that was winning fantasy games for people by themselves yeah. last year. Yeah. Uh, I I think that Bill Belichick's number one thing is taking away your best weapon. Woods is a race from this game, and the running game for the Rams isn't scary enough to do anything for me. So I'm taking the Patriots. Again, I'm going to lean to Scott. So 24 to 17. 24-17. Yeah. All right, Brian's got the Patriots winning this 24-13, to 13, so he's with you, Ryan. And James is with me. He's got the Rams winning this 31-21 and a 10-point win. All right. Let's, Sunday night football. I was going to say, let's look at Sunday night because this is yeah. the game that I think has the potential to be the game of the week to watch. Has the potential to be a playoff match. Yeah. Steelers at the Bills. Uh, I'm going to start. I'm gonna, and I'm doing this on purpose. I'm going to start with Drew. Drew, where do you stand on this game? Steelers at Bills Sunday night football. Uh, I got the Bills 28 to 20 over the Steelers. So it is a clean sweep. It's a clean, it's a clean sweep. I, I, when I first started thinking about it, I, I was thinking about the Steelers being able to bounce back, but I really, something in my head just cannot get over this five yards, like an attempt and winning. It's like, it's almost like what Ryan said. I mean, just said about the, uh, the new England defense and special teams. It seemed like that was carrying them for, like, what, nine? Were they 9-0 before we beat them, whatever it was? They had that yeah. little niche that was, like, carrying them. All right, this has been carrying you. At some point, and it, you showed this week, it's not going to work. And Josh Allen deserves a lot of credit for what he's doing this year. 100%. Yeah. He came out right away a lot of times early, and, like, the first month, and it was like, oh, MVP this. And then he had some hiccups. But it's not – he's got to the point where – no moment ever looks too big for him, and he's not relying on just, All right, I'm going to throw it 30 yards down the field and hope a guy's there to catch it. He's he's made the adjustments, and, and the offensive coordinator has also made the adjustments to suit his game, and when he's struggling at certain times, you bring in the run game or you do the short over passes, you don't go look for the deep ball all the time. It's worked for them, and I think that's why we're all on the same page that – the Steelers are that 11 and 1 team that really probably shouldn't be 11 and 1 and now they're going to go against a team that has a hot hand that it seems like all cylinders are clicking for them and I think we all agree that the Bills have this game it's just a matter of how close does this become because some of us have this being a one score game some of us have this being a two score game 
So I've got this being a one-score game. I've got it being a 30-24 to 24 Bills win. I think they can pull it out, and I think they pull it out late, honestly. I think there's going to be evenly matched until it gets down to the fourth quarter, and I think that Josh Allen is going to be able to put it together and be able to take this team and drive down the field, score a touchdown at the end of the game, and make it a 30-24 to 24 game. Brian has 42-30. James has 37-24. Ryan, you said 35-21 in this game, so you think it's going to be a little bit bigger of a blowout. You, you think oh, Josh come Allen... Oh, I'm wearing Diggsy's jersey. What are we <laughs> doing here? He's going to embarrass them. <laughs> Stephon Diggs is going to take it to him. Josh Allen's going to give him the Beasles and make him look like an the all-star. Beasles. The Beasles is going to be the embarrassing <laughs> part. The Beasley is, Beasley's way too old and way not skilled enough to be playing in the NFL, and he keeps doing it. He keeps making it work. <laughs> So I, I think that even without almost any running game outside of Josh Allen's running skills, they've been playing amazing. And I picked the wrong Terp in my fantasy leagues. So I should have gone with Diggs across the board. <laughs> All right, Fred, what do you got this one? How close you got it? Yeah, so I, I think this is going to be a close game, and I think the only reason it's close is because I do think – that, yes, the Ravens exposed some things with the Steelers, and even Chase Young said that himself, you know, when the when the Washington team ended up beating the Steelers. Uh, Thanks, so Chase. I think I think there's some film uh, out there and some things that this Bills defense is going to exploit against the Steelers, but you can't forget the Steelers also have a very good defense still as well. So I think yeah. this game will be close. I think it'll be tight. I think it'll be a little lower scoring than some of you guys are going with. Uh, I do believe in Josh Allen. Like, listen, this is a guy that out of the draft, I thought he had Kyle Bowler written all over him. Another guy with a big arm that can't throw, you know, accurate at all. He wasn't going to amount to anything. The Bills, you know, reached for this guy. But he's proven me and a lot of other doubters out there wrong. Uh, he looks really, really good this year. And I do think that you have to start talking about him in the potential for MVP conversation because Russell Wilson's fallen off a lot. Kyle Mur Kyler Murray doesn't look like what he did in the beginning of the year. Like there really aren't any standout guys outside of Josh Allen. Josh Allen's been really consistent this year. Jo Josh Allen. The thing with him too, is it's the right guy in the right scheme with the right weapons. All right. That's with why it's working for the bills. Crap. Right, a great and, coaching staff. Yeah, exactly. well, that's, that's why I was giving credit to the scheming because they're the ones that are coming up with this setup. It's it's them that's ultimately responsible, but it's the right guys at the right time with the well, right here's, staff. Here's where the Bills are totally different than the Ravens, right? They went out and got themselves a true number one receiver to put around their franchise quarterback. They went out and got a guy like Stephon Diggs. There was all this talk about the Ravens were so close on, you know, Hopkins, and they were so close on this guy, like – could you imagine how different this team might look if we had a guy like Hopkins in the fold? I don't know. I I, I don't know if it would how be a great thing how or not. Close on Hopkins. <laughs> they that? gave them they gave them nothing to get Hopkins. I know. So how what was our stupid offer yeah. that was below what they got for Hopkins? I, I don't know. understand. We're, we're still talking about Bill O'Brien. He could have <laughs> said something like John Harbaugh jipped on a tip at a fucking restaurant one day. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's Moron. absolutely true. Oh, man. I do, though. I got the Bills winning this 24-19. I hit the button early. That's but. all right. I got the Bills winning this with 24-19. <laughs> all right, Scott, it's time for the Liquor Stop Brew of the Week. We got four guys in here, and only one has the Liquor Stop <laughs> Brew of the Week this week. So what are you drinking, and how good is it? I got the I'm keys. I'm going to lead to, in and try to smell it. I got the keys to the kingdom. There you go, bro. There you go, Ryan. Try to smell it. There you go. Uh, <laughs> this, is, this is actually – so we 
we we know we've had Union Brewing beers before. We've had the Duck Pin Ale, uh, which we yeah. know is good. Uh, this is Union's holiday beer. Um, so this is something they put out annually uh, in tribute to the light display on uh, Hamden's 34th Street, Miracle on 34th Street. This is Miracle Weizenbach. So it is considered a dark wheat ale. Um, it's unfiltered. It's 7.9% ABV. Uh, it, it's, it's very, it's not necessarily Bach taste to me because I've had some Bach. This is, it's a little bit closer to a stout, but not quite a heavy, as heavy as a stout is. Uh, but it's it's actually not bad. It's not something I'm going to sit there and drink three or four of, or even what you know. It, it's a one, maybe two kind of thing. Um, I could see out, uh, bonfire, right? Sitting out in front of a bonfire, okay. bonfire, sitting in front of a fire, sitting back having one of these. Uh, but it's not something I, w- I would sit there and have two or three of. Uh, At seven point nine percent ABV, you probably only want two or three of those. You're gonna, it's gonna be a long night. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. I would probably have one or two because the flavor is very strong. It is. It is. Hot, the hot bite at the end is there. You get the little bit of a coffee type stout, which is the the dark wheat type type flavor that you get. So yeah. it's kind of that in between. It it isn't bad though. I'll get you guys a, uh, a a can of this each here this coming week. We'll figure out a way to drop it off to you guys, but it, it, it's not bad. So it's Miracle Weizenbach from Union Brewery. It's not bad. What are you guys drinking then? So if you're not drinking the brew of the week, what are you drinking? You gotta keep drinking this stuff, guys. <laughs> there it is, shelves. <laughs> Keep drinking on twinsies. my shelves. Okay. Hey. You you twinsies are beat with the guy that's holding the broken skull. Yeah. Hey, Simple man, as that. I, I, oh, I, no, I man. swear by these are some, These are some of our favorites for the show, for sure. Please keep them bottling this. Buy it. It's yes. a great yes. Christmas beer. Have it for your non-existing Christmas parties that nobody can have. <laughs> by the Just way, drink by yourself and think about a party. So last <laughs> night I was drinking. I, should, I sent you guys the picture. I was drinking this stuff. Have you guys had this yet? This Captain Morgan sliced apple? I have not. Have you had an apple crown? Yeah. Better apple flavor. Is that okay. a 70 proof captain or a 100 proof captain? Because 100 proof captain makes me do bad things. <laughs> Let's <laughs> see. Makes anybody do bad things. It's a 35% ABV. All right, good. We're good. I can handle yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So, yeah, but no, go, go to Liquor Stop. Make sure you guys stop by Liquor Stop. Let them know that Birdland BS sent you. Get your 10% off. Go ahead. Don't forget as well, if you haven't checked it out yet, for those that were asking, oh, yeah. go to the website, birdlandbs.com. There's a section on there called The Brews. I'm going to put all of our brews on there. I've already got the last four or five that we've drank on there. I'll make sure I put this, this week's now. on there uh, with links to you know the different brewing companies. So if you guys want to check out what we've been drinking on the show, that's a good space, uh, good spot to find it. All right, fellas, it's time for some shell and tell. So Ryan. this is the part that Ryan actually showed up for. So I'm and now gonna... it's only James watching because everyone's checked out. <laughs> I'm going to sit back and let you two go at this, but I'll, I'll kind of yeah, moderate. Probably, yeah, I'll, I'll take the break, too. <laughs> I'll, I'll moderate a little bit. So I had to re-beer for the shell and tell segment. There you go. So let's, well, let's we just lead go you guys. I was going to say, let's lead you guys into this because I, I want to yep. take a step back two weeks here. Uh, because we didn't obviously last week with everything going on with the Ravens game, it was hard to, to get our, get a show going, so we weren't able to talk about what happened in that loss to Indiana. They lost twenty seven to twelve. Take a quick minute. What did you guys see in that game? What did you think? Uh, and what were your takeaways from that game? It was a loss before the game ever started. I mean, we didn't ended up suiting up twenty three of our guys out there on the field. Uh, Should have been that close. Yeah, it, it, there's no yeah. The fact that they were able to keep this within a two to three score game, uh, to me, speaks volumes. I mean, it, it also goes to show. 
Yeah. It also goes to show the kind of depth. Now, Talia didn't have his best game. He, he took a step back. He looked a little bit rusty. He looked a little bit uncomfortable. And that's, I guess, I understand it. You know, he lost two of his offensive linemen in this game. Yeah. Uh, he lost his one of his top targets at wide receiver, so one of his playmakers. He's got his his his, his running back out there, the bell cow running back. Well, he, out he there, lost so. two wide receivers for that game, right? He lost both Jarrett and Jones. Yes. Uh, yes, right. Yeah. You're right. So he lost two of his targets. That's correct. So to be able to, you know, again, keep this game within three scores against the number 12 team in the country, I left comfortable and impressed i've left very impressed yeah again we had 23 players out and unfortunately it wasn't hitting the backup room it was our number one safety our number one cornerback our number one running back our number two and three wide receivers like it was at two linemen with two starting linemen what so i think what we've seen is the reason scott didn't like talia is we've we've talia's young he's real young pressure is getting to him he's got three more years this year and two more years to play he had no starting experience at Alabama really no playing experience at Alabama so week one we saw it as soon as he threw an interception he kept trying to score 14 points a pass and it and it fell apart and it looked looked a lot this week or that week like he had decided if we're gonna win I have to have a game like Minnesota and I have to carry us right and from the get, he was all over the place. I'm glad. Now, you, our, go ahead. I was to say, I'm glad you brought that up because that was one of the things. Like, this is the second game now, in they they played what five games at this four. point? Four. four games. Four. So it's four games. So second game in four games with three plus interceptions, right? So I, I guess I know that it's a small sample size, right? He and snowballs. I, when it goes bad, it goes bad quick. Right. It, it does. But it. I guess my what my question is is. What do you then attribute that to? If you see such talent, both of you guys, the first week when I was when I was calling saying, I'd love to see Lance in there. I'd rather see Lance in there, especially after the second interception and how he was playing. The vision just wasn't there. He's missing passes. It wasn't just the interceptions. What are you seeing out of him that gives you that drive to continue to say, keep the kid in and not bring in a guy that was fairly highly touted in Lance well, LeJean. Well, let's bring up first. You didn't have that option this week. He was also one of the 23 players that was inactive for this game. So your next quarterback was a, was a non-scholarship walk-on. Hey, so hey Ryan. Added you're... to the pressure of staying healthy. Ryan, see the, the in thing the with Talia, we call though, that a set-serve spike. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the thing with Talia is, though, I don't really, I don't really grade his first game in any way. It, it, Positive or negative, because there was a lot on the line. It was the it, it, like they didn't have any hardly any practice time together. It's his first start as a collegiate quarterback. Again, what Ryan and I said, we, we didn't see a lack of talent. We saw poor decisions in that game. You know, it, it, you could see that the I think the pressure of it, just the the anxiety of being out there in your first start, kind of got to him. So I give him a pass on that first game. This game. It came down to, again, a comfortability thing. I think, you know, that the not having his two starting offensive linemen out there, including, you know, his starting center, right? right There's a right. comfort that you have when you're taking snaps from a center. You got somebody different out there. There's that. You got two of your biggest targets missing. The two games that he's played with all of his weapons out there and with his team intact, I see accuracy. I see the ability to throw the ball on the run, make, you know, make smart decisions. He can make plays with his feet. 
I think he gives us our best chance at, at winning. And, and to Ryan's point, he's just so young and so early in his career that he's going to continue to get better. Uh, I just I think this was a bump in the road with just the lack of of availability for teammates that he had around him. So I was hoping. I don't, go ahead, Ryan. Go, go ahead, ahead, Ryan. I just don't want to skip over what the defense did in this because again they were at down just as many players with your safety, your corner, multiple linemen out. And at halftime, they changed my mind. I didn't want to play this game. I said, why are you going to expose this team down 23, including your best players, to the number, I think, 12 team in the country at that point? Why yeah. would you do that? And the answer that a lot of fans gave was experience. Well, it was more than experience. We saw what our depth did. At halftime, this was a 7-3 to three game. Like, <laughs> I had changed my mind. I was like, you know what? The scariest thing you can give a bad team, which is what I considered us in that moment, hope. Yeah. So I st after halftime, I thought we were going to win, but it just turned out Talia couldn't get his head on straight, and the defense was just staying on the field, and eventually they got tired and just got blown. So one of the things right. that I think was telling in this game as far as stats was I looked at third down efficiency, and I think it told the tale of both teams, right? Because the Maryland was 4 for 14. They just could not get their offensive going. They were trying to force situations on third down. It just wasn't happening. It wasn't there, and, and it may have had to do with that comfortability. But the other thing was... When you look at what they were able to do on the defensive side of the ball, they held them to a third down efficiency of six for 16. And a lot of right. that came in the second half because in the first half, Almost they weren't all. even getting to third down. It was first down, second down, first down, first down, second down, first down. The second half, they were they were really holding them pretty well on the defensive front. Yeah, and their quarterback is is a pretty good quarterback. I mean, they're the number twelve team in the country, right? He's he's played well all year. And again, when you're you're missing, you know, your starting safety out there in Nick Cross, I think the secondary played great in this game. They only gave up 115 yards through the air in this game. Secondary played great. They continue to struggle uh, with the run game. That's been a, a problem with this team all year. Uh, so that we we do need to see improvement in that area. But I had a lot of question marks with this team in the secondary going into this year. Outside of Nick Cross, I didn't really have a lot of faith because a lot of these guys were new, they're young, I didn't know what to expect, but they've proven to get better each week. Yeah, I think for me, when I when I look at this, and I, I, I'm sitting here looking at the stats, and one of the things that stands out to me, and I, I put it, this is where you guys are going to disagree with me. I'm going to go back to Talia for a second. The vision of Talia is my biggest issue. Remember when we talked for week one about those three interceptions and they were all in triple coverage? Well, in this game, all three interceptions, or I'm sorry, all three, uh, no, hold on, I got, I'm got. i looking at the wrong stat. So three of the two of the three interceptions were on the same side, on the right side, and in double coverage. The vision downfield for him, looking at the double coverage instead of the open man that's on the left-hand side or coming across the middle, it's just not there. I'm having a hard time remembering it completely, but one of those interceptions was on what should have been a touchdown to Demas. Yeah, he threw 100%. it to Demas. Right. If he hits Demas, it's a touchdown. And then there was another, the very first drive that we ended up getting no points, so we missed the field goal, was a wide-open pass to Demas that he found him, he threw it, and he just sailed it out the back of the end zone. Yep. So I'm sure there are times where what you're saying is true, and it's been a couple of weeks, so I can't can't go right to it because I wasn't the one thinking that at the moment. But I know that one of those interceptions was definitely not throwing into a bad place. He, that ball was supposed to go there because it should have been six. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Well, one of the things that we talked about, and I wanted to kind of get everybody's take on this, right, is one of the things we talked about in our, our most recent show for Shell and Tell was – 
I know a lot of people were questioning whether or not the Terps should even play this year. Would it be beneficial for this program to even play this season? Because everybody's expectations for this team were not good. So everybody thought, well, this would be detrimental for recruiting. Well, it's been the ass opposite of that so far this year, right? The, the, the Terps are sitting at two and two. They've won a couple of games that nobody expected them to win. They've been in a couple of games that nobody expected them to be in. And you're starting to see a lot of guys perk interest in the Terps. We're starting to see some decommits committing to the Terps. Big names. This season for me, Ryan, I don't know how you felt about it, but for me, I think this was 100% worth having this year, having this season uh, for the, the betterment of this program and the continued growth of this program. Yeah, and when we're talking, you know, whether it was worth the, the to having the season, we're talking about, like, recruitment-wise. There were a lot of yeah. talking heads, a lot of, you know, piece of so-called beat writers and experts with the Terps that said, with what our recruiting class was like before the season started, we would be better off not having a season because if you go out there and you embarrass yourself, these people all start decommitting. But we had one decommit that seems like a hothead, Who's who went to an SEC school in Vanderbilt who immediately fired their head coach after they committed. Right. So Lord knows what his commitment's going to look like. And we've had two different 2022 recruits uh, commit. Um, the number one wide receiver and number one linebacker out of New Jersey um, in Ward and uh, Fajay Go. No, no, that's the play, current player. Uh, Nair Graham <laughs> <Right>. is <laughs> the linebacker out of uh, New Jersey. Um, and we have another commitment today. Uh, I'm not going to blow the kids' cover. We were told in uh, <laughs> Secret Maryland chats who it is, but we have a wall gift today, and right. uh, hopefully you'll be seeing a, another big-time addition in a very strong suit of this class. So um, I'm happy with things going. And there's also a lot of smoke about a really big fish coming from the maize and blue up north. We'll see. All right. I, I, that's why I say I just think that regardless of COVID, if I think this is a successful season for Maryland, even if Maryland doesn't get to play this game against Rutgers here and this season ends at two and two, this is a successful year for the Terps. As you say, a so 500 year. We haven't had a 500 <laughs> year in a long time, man. I'll take it. Yeah, I don't care sure. if it's two and two, one and one, 500 is great. Yeah, so I mean, obviously, we don't play the game against Michigan. Uh, they have the COVID outbreak on their end this time, uh, and that that wound up getting a game against Ohio State canceled for this coming weekend. So we don't see the two of them play. But we have this game against Rutgers. Obviously, we got to stay healthy to, in order to play this game. But how do you, you know, Rutgers is two and five. They they're coming off the loss to Penn State. They, their only wins are against Purdue, Purdue and Michigan State, who both those teams have had subpar years for their for their uh programs what do you guys take what do you look at this and, and say are your keys to the game in order to win against Rutgers well we're almost back to healthy so if we would have played the Michigan game we would have had eight players back at least four of them we know are real big boys that would have helped us out not sure who the other four are now it'll be 15 of the 23 I don't know specifically but it'd have to be a really bad eight players left to have us look anything like that last game. We're going to get back um, uh, our starting running back for sure. We're also getting Fleet Davis back, who hasn't played all year. They just announced that he's back in the fold. So our running back room is getting a lot healthier. I, I think that Greg Shiano has got those boys motivated. I don't think that the talent's close yet. If we lose, this is, this is Greg Shiano motivation team. Uh, yeah. I think that's where it's at. 
Yeah, this is a game that I think we all kind of had checked off on our preseason schedules that the Terps should win. This is one of the three that we thought that they could win. Uh, and I don't think that that's changed. If anything, that that's just kind of reiterated our point. I just I want to see continued improvement. You know, I want to see this team continue to take strides forward. I want to see Talia come out there, be confident like he was in the two, you know, the two games that he played great in. Uh, I want to see Jake Funk get the ball, which if you haven't checked it out uh, yet, our, our latest episode of the Shell and Tell podcast is out. We actually did an interview with Jake's brother, Dr. Josh Funk. Uh, Ryan did the interview. It was a great interview, uh, very insightful. Uh, gives you a little bit of kind of insight as to what Jake went through through his rehabs, and uh, it, it was a really good interview. So make sure you check that out. But yeah, I for do those that think... don't know, Josh is a well, is a physical therapist at the doctor part, and he was the phys- physical therapist in charge of his rehab. So give us yeah. an inside look at that, and also the fact that he's been one of a couple hundred people that got to see Big Ten football live and get his uh, outlook on uh, on what the season looked like from the sidelines. Right. Yeah, and I just want to see continued growth from some of the young guys. You know, I want to see Ruben out there and continue to get better each week. Uh, this this is a game that uh, I don't know what it means for us as far as bowls go because they just changed it. Now you don't have to have the six games to qualify for the the, the bowl conference championship or whatever. That sets up Ohio State and Northwestern for their showdown, I guess. Uh, so I don't know what that impact means for us as far as bowl goes, but uh, I think this is a game that the Terps should win. Huh? I was just saying it means six million dollars. The whole idea is that yeah. whoever has a team in the quarterfinal championships for the playoffs gets six million dollars for their conference. So everybody voted to let Ohio State in so we could all split up six mil. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> all right, guys, time for the rundown. And uh I know this is a little older news at this point, but you know, let's face it, it's been a couple of weeks since we've done a show, right? But yeah. we talked so much about this for weeks on end. So much hype. And you you and I went back and forth on this a bit as to whether this was going to have the entertainment value that it, you know, that it should. Uh but Mike Tyson did get in the ring with Roy Jones Jr. They did fight. Uh it went eight rounds. Apparently Mike Tyson was hired in a kite uh in that fight. But <laughs> yeah. Roy Jones did what a 50-year-old man should do against Mike Tyson and just kind of hugged him, <laughs> hugged him for eight rounds, got in there, gave him some love for, for eight rounds. But to me, it was still fun to watch. Like I, I did watch this fight. Uh, it was still entertaining. When Mike had time to really and space to be able to, you could tell he was just in such better shape. At the end of the first round, Roy Jones is huffing and puffing. Looked like he needed oxygen in his corner. I mean, it was bad. Mike Tyson wasn't even breaking a sweat until, like, the fourth round. Uh, it, it was, for me, it was entertaining. Was it what I had hoped it to be? No, but they didn't have they didn't have headgear on. And I really think that if Roy Jones gives him a little bit of space, Mike Tyson goes for that knockout well, 100%. Hours beforehand is when they, the the uh, Vegas, who was holding it, the Vegas commission says, oh, well, knockouts are now, now legal. So these two guys have been training for no <laughs> knockouts, and then hours beforehand you say, oh, well, you can knock each other out if you want. Like, I mean, shit, pay-per-view the, sales suck. We need to get yeah, this up. Exactly. <laughs> I heard a lot of radio personalities talking about why would anyone waste their money and like reading the rules about these things and like national broadcasting radio. So their pay-per-view sales probably were terrible. They're like, we have to do something right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's and look, it, it wasn't entertaining for everyone. I went, I wasn't able to watch it live. So I was, I had to go back and watch it. Yeah. But when I went back and watched it, 
Was it entertaining? Sure. Should it have ended in a fucking draw? No fucking way. Mike Tyson won that fight all day long. He had oh, yeah. more hits. He was more detrimental. Yeah, he didn't knock him down, but he was still landing a lot of a lot of solid punches. And honestly, I feel like he was pulling a few of them. Yeah. So, I guess you'd give him the draw just because they ended up going eight rounds. I'm going to tell you now, I thought there was no way. After that first round and the way Roy Jones was huffing and puffing, I thought for sure he would have a heart attack between the third and fourth round. There's no way he's going eight rounds. I didn't care. But somehow he he managed to, to make it through. Yeah, because he hugged uh, him after the fight. I mean, yeah. what else are you going to do? You, you, you got to talk about the other fight in this the card. The entertaining which, fight. Oh, the which one that was away with super it, yeah. entertaining and absolutely <laughs> hilarious. As you had uh, former NBA basketball player Nate Robinson going against YouTube sensation Jake Paul, whoever the hell this guy is. I just hear his name all the time. He's doing <laughs> just the crazy brother shit of on YouTube, YouTube. So sensation. <laughs> well, no, he's got his own channel, too. It's just his brother's got the bigger channel in Logan his Paul. His brother started, his, his yeah. started this stuff. Right. But, okay. I mean, I didn't even realize they had they were brothers. I thought they were the same person. I like I had no idea. <laughs> they do look a lot alike. Yeah. This, would, Fred, this would be like me representing Birdland BS. Like, Logan Paul is the face of the franchise. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. But, got it. But well, Jake, Jake Paul held his own because Nate Robinson looked like Mac from Mike Tyson's punch out <laughs> when he gets knocked out and just laying flat on the on the uh, the canvas there, man. It was uh, it was pretty hysterical. Cl clean out in the second round too, and that's the thing about like with, with Jake Paul. This is his second professional fight. His first or his first second professional. We'll, we'll put that in quotes. He had one exhibition fight and true two, two true fights, um, but he landed eight punches. So in two rounds, eight punches in this fight. Three of them were knockdowns. Yeah. It's, he's the Mike Tyson of YouTube. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you guys this because you guys, you guys all watch it, right? Yeah. Okay. The first knockdown. Do you think that was an illegal hit to the back of the head? Uh, I mean, it was it was definitely not on the side of the head. It was definitely towards the back of the head. So <laughs> it's a YouTube fighter versus an NBA player. Who cares? Yeah, <laughs> let them hit them wherever they want to hit. <laughs> yeah, I have, I have yeah. nothing. I don't know. I, I look I've at barely it. Barely seen any of it. I didn't. I looked at it after that. Robinson didn't look the same. I mean, the swing and miss that he had, where no, he fell he to the ground. I mean, he was just out of it after that. And that's yeah. why that's an illegal hit to the back of the head is because it does so much damage and could literally cause a, con a concussion back there or cause damage. That's why it's such an illegal hit in boxing. So I was just surprised by that, but I think it was it was definitely interesting for sure. Uh, but coming now, the news this week, sticking with boxing and sticking with Paul, Floyd Mayweather comes out and says he's going to have an exhibition fight versus Paul, but it's not Jake. It's his brother, Logan, who lost to KSI, who's another YouTuber out of England, in his exhibition fight. So you're going to, Floyd, you're going to fight a guy, but it's not going to be the guy that's 2-0. and oh, It's going to be the guy that's 0-1 oh and, oh, and got dismantled. Well, I guess, so I had it screwed up, So I because we talked about this prior to the show. So I guess if Logan Paul is the Fred of Birdland BS, the guy that represents the branding, right? If that's if that's the case, then that makes sense from a dollar standpoint. And that's He's all Floyd Ma 
That's all Floyd Mayweather cares about in this, in this fight is money. He's just going to run around the ring, dance around the ring, make a punch here and Never there, and then he's going to get as much. Yeah, he's going to get his paycheck. <laughs> the bigger draw, though, I disagree with you because the bigger draw is the guy that's 2-0. and the guy that I, no, I think the better matchup is the guy that's two and zero. But that's the but guy. But the bigger draw is going to be the guy that's got fifty million followers on YouTube. But so Jake, Jake uses his brother. Jake can can grab all of those. All all Logan has to do is promote mm. it. All Logan has to do is say, "My brother Jake Paul is taking on Flay Mayweather. You got to check it out." But we could, but we could do a nursing skills competition, and uh, <laughs> and Ryan's representing Shell and Tell, but Fred Birdland BS is gonna have a lot more people watching because for Shell and Tell don't have no followers. <laughs> it's I, like I get it, but it's Floyd Mayweather. Like, and you're you're wanting the if you want something that's gonna draw money. If it's, if what we think is true out of that fight that they they really said at the last minute we need to pull some more money in because I completely agree with you Fred on the Tyson side of things they weren't getting enough so they said we're gonna allow knockouts yep. it made it and then boom and it skyrocketed that was I, the whole I will, thing I will say if I didn't pay for it if you're gonna save <laughs> boxing this garbage is what's gonna save boxing like you need to bring back the celebrity death match. <laughs> In real life, and just just let it go. You have a Twitter dispute, immediately reach but, out and be like, "We're gonna pay you a hundred grand, and you a hundred grand. Come fix your Twitter dispute right here in the ring, and that's how you fix boxing." But the whole because nobody cares about boxing anymore. The whole sell though, Ryan, is you can't just have that because what took away the entire show was Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg commentating. Those oh, he's hilarious. Was he is perfect. absolutely hilarious. And he he's already great. said he needs, to, he needs to commentate f everything, like football, <laughs> basketball, anything. He that brings you great. back to, to like to um the golf, the match where you had yeah. Charles Barkley commentating for yeah. Bill Mickelson, Tiger, uh, Peyton, and them. Yeah. So like, yeah, that's there's ways to make sports entertainment again. Like that's yeah. that's if if you're not getting the draw that you used to when Tiger was running the world, you find an entertaining way to make golf. If you're not getting the draw when Mike Tyson was the most dominant force in the world, then you find a way to make it entertaining. Right. <laughs> and yeah. this is a really good way to do it. I don't... Uh, this won't yeah. be the last time we see Mike Tyson no. in the ring either. No. He'll fight again. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. He will. He will not. And it won't be an exhibition match. I think he's going to fight a legitimate match here. In, hey, we 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 future. got good weight classes here, man. Ryan versus Fred. Josh versus Drew. This is a good pay per view. Let's do it. I'm ready for Did he just call me Josh? Yeah, he does. Josh. You said Josh. All right, all right. Take it. You got to win because no one's going to know Josh is. I'm already in the lead at that point. Got it. Drew's just standing in the ring by himself, going, "I'm waiting for Josh to show up." If you want, you don't want to see his friend Josh. Trust me, you don't see that guy. Fred, take us to the Broncos, man. <laughs> All right, man. So <laughs> sticking with the theme of the show and the thing of uh, the theme of 2020, right? So the Broncos, we didn't talk about this. This is two weeks ago now at this point. Uh, also hit hard by COVID uh, to the point where Kinda. <laughs> it wiped out their entire quarterback room. Like we only talked one about, of them, only one of them had it. <laughs> yeah. Well, we talked about like what it would look like, you know, not having an entire position group. Well, we saw that. With the Broncos, they ended up having to bring up a guy from the practice squad, a wide receiver from the practice squad, who played a little bit of quarterback in college or whatever. Wake Forest and Hinton, yeah. uh, Wake Forest, right? And uh, listen, I give him credit for going out there on short notice and having to, you know, play quarterback in the NFL. 
but I mean, it was a shit show. <laughs> it was everything that you would expect it to be when you got a backup quarterback that's a former wide receiver out there. I give him more uh, credit than the you. The only guy that I think would have might have been able to do this, and this is pulling a name from back in the day, is Antoine Randall. That guy <laughs> was a good quarterback when he was given the opportunity yeah. Yeah. Uh, in Pittsburgh. I look, so I mean he he what I give him credit for only throwing two interceptions out of nine passes that he threw. <laughs> Look, Maryland knows a lot about linebackers and wide receivers and linemen playing quarterback. Right? Yeah, so yes. That's kind of our thing. That is very oh, true. Man. Yeah, they got hit. They they definitely got hit hard. The one thing, did you guys see? I think it was the it was the Steelers game, the Raven Steelers game at halftime. The interview that Mike Trico did with uh, uh Roger Goodell, where he actually called out Roger Goodell and said, wait a second. How did you play this game and push back this game multiple times, but yet a team that has their entire QB room wiped out due to COVID in high contact, and you don't push that game back, and people talk about competitive balance, that is the definition of not having competitive balance. How did, how did you not postpone that game? I give Mike Tirico a lot of credit on national television to call out Roger Goodell, and Roger's face was like almost like he wasn't expecting that question. When's yeah, the email coming out from Mike Tirico and the staff <laughs> saying uh, he's retiring? You're right. He's going to be asked to retire soon. I'm glad the question was asked, but I don't know that it's valid because pretty much what they've been sticking to is 48 hours without a positive test. And that was true in the Denver game. They had a positive test. 48 hours later, they played the game. Turns out that they couldn't clear the the problem was all the quarterbacks sat next to each other in a room without masks on within six feet for more than 15 minutes. So why did you idiots do that? But, but under that, you? under that same rule and under that same mindset, Ryan, why was the, why was the Ravens Cowboys game then played? Because we don't, uh, if they, if they are being truthful, that's a big if with the NFL, what they're saying is that with their little trackers that show six feet, they went they found X number of players that did that. And then they investigated whether in that amount of time that they were within six feet for more than 15 minutes and had their masks off. So even though he's hugging a dude with his mask down, as long as that hug was 14 nine minutes and 59 seconds or less with so, these weird rules they have, it's not of exposure. So it takes 15 minutes to sneeze and for me to get it to you. I 100% think they're garbage <laughs> rules. It's the same thing. Look at the Big Ten versus the ACC. The Big Ten says you're out 21 days with any positive test. The ACC says it's like 10 days, and then they even have them standing on the sidelines with their mask on, watching Trevor Lawrence pull it, pull it away it from his face to whisper to somebody. <laughs> so, like, there's totally different standards. And, uh, I mean, in the medical field, our standards move, like, every day. And but they, I, they don't move that dramatically. I think the NFL's garbage, but they've been sticking to the same standard. I, it turns out only one quarterback had COVID. They should have let one of the other three play, but they didn't have time to clear them for what their rules were. Fair enough. All right. Well, so the other thing that we got to talk about is some of the boots. There's two boots that happened, or technically three boots that happened over the past few uh, past few weeks. First one was Lions head coach Matt Patricia gets the boot, and GM Bob Quinn gets the boot after a four and seven start to the season, and right after they lost forty one twenty five to the Texans. My quick question to you, each of you. Did they both deserve to be fired here? Yes. I, I, yeah, I, I think if you're going to make a move, you make 
both moves and you make it early enough like you are now that you have time to find the replacement before next year, before you start preparing for the NFL draft, because, you know, you want those guys, those pieces, head coach and GM to be involved in those conversations and those decisions. So uh, I think from a franchise standpoint, from a business standpoint, I think this was the right move for the for the Lions. You had me so confused. I didn't understand what this segment was about. <laughs> I think Matt Patricia 100% needed to go. What was the other coach? Because I was too busy it trying to figure GM, out what we were talking Bob about. It was the GM, okay. Bob Quinn. All right. Yeah. I mean, well, you hired Patricia. You stuck with Patricia. You've been terrible. You can't find a running back to save your life. You keep spending draft picks on it. I got AP. I, what are you talking about? Uh, yeah, okay. We've got a 40-year-old running back. Can't find right. one under 40. I think you just, <laughs> you just made my point, though, Ryan, is I don't know that Swift, Patricia sorry. deserves a, as much as much discredit as he got and the firing that he got because he's doing he's dealing with what Bob Quinn is giving him, and he's trying to do with what he can. We've got a, a quarterback in Matt, Matt Stafford who is maybe past his prime at this point as far as I'm, as far as I'm concerned. There's not a lot of weapons around him. You're bringing in guys from the running back perspective as far as AP, and he's kind of your best guy that can get you the most yardage, but it's still not that much. I don't know that he fully deserved the, the firing. I think maybe if, if you had another GM in there and he's still the, the head coach for a year or a year or two and you still have the same issue, I get it. I just don't know that it's the right move to fire both those guys, in my opinion. Matt, Patricia, look at the track record of guys that have come from uh, – uh, Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick, real hit or miss. That was be my next point. It's either really good or really bad because Bill Belichick was either doing three quarters of your job for you or he wasn't. And but so Matt Patricia has was not a, been really good. We never heard anything out of the Patriots organization that Matt Patricia, that, that Bill Belichick was doing the defensive play calling. That was always Matt Patricia. Matt Patricia will just come home just like all the coordinators do to Josh McDaniels. He'll go right back to the Patriots and fit in and be great. Uh, Speaking of defensive defensive coordinator, Fred, the Jets firing. Like, yeah. Really? (laughs) I mean, dead man firing a dead man. Greg Williams. I mean, this seems to be a pattern with this guy. He gets fired pretty much everywhere he goes. Uh, I don't know. The the Jets, the fact that. Their head coach, Adam Gase, still has a job? Huh? You mean pothead? What? Makes no sense to me. Like I, like I just said. He's an alien. Yeah, you're like the, it, you're, you're about to have. Sure you get Trevor. You're about guaranteed the number one the number one overall pick in the draft, which means that you're going to have a high draft slot in each round of the next coming draft, right? Like I said about the Lions, I think the Lions are going this the right way. Like, if you know your head coach is not going to be a part of this this organizational decision for this next upcoming draft. Why are you not making that move now and starting to find your replacement, start interviewing your replacement, start putting an interim coach that maybe you have internally in place now to see how he does and how the troops rally around him? Because if they don't get rid of Adam Gase, the Jets just continue to do Jet things and are just going to be a terrible franchise and organization no matter if they do or don't get Trevor. Maybe the Jets are already tampering, and maybe the Jets already know that their replacement is on a very strong playoff team. Eric Bieniemy takes over with Trevor Lawrence in New York and shows off. I mean, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't disagree with you that this year. I, I just don't know how the entire Or maybe that's why the Lions are pouncing now. Maybe yeah, they're trying to they're they're there could be a backroom deal already because Trevor Lawrence can bring New York is not a job that anybody wants, but Trevor Lawrence is a quarterback everybody wants. So maybe it tra- can change that job. 
Be we'll interesting see to see what happens with Sam Darnold. Yeah, because I don't, I don't think Sam Darnold's a terrible quarterback. I think Sam Darnold in the right it's, system, it's bad coaching, led by yeah. somebody other than Adam Gase. I think he could do good yeah. elsewhere. It's bad, it's bad coaching all around. And I think you're you're spot on that. If you get the, there's a combo there that can work in New York. It's just you got to figure it out. Yeah. Would it be very strange for Sam Darnold to go back up for the Bills? Because I feel like that was what he was supposed to be, is the Josh Allen quarterback. So could he be like the RG3 to R Lamar? Could he be the backup for Josh Allen? No. He'll go somewhere, and he'll be a starter. He'll be a starter in this league. I just don't know where it'll be. Might be Chicago. Indianapolis. <laughs> They'll just try a new quarterback at any time. Indianapolis. Actually, Indianapolis would be a great spot for him to land. I think so. Yeah. All right. With that offensive line and with that defense, yeah. Mm-hmm. No rules. Do we have questions? Sure, why not? We got questions. I got one. <laughs> Two topics. 30 seconds each. It's time for the two-minute warning. All right, Fred, you and I are going to this completely blind. I'll go first. I'll, I'll, I'll upset the chain the chain that we normally You're going do. You're going completely blind. We were also told to come up with questions five minutes before broadcast. <laughs> it was it was during <laughs> the you countdown. You guys were told literally were during the signals. countdown. The countdown started. They're like, thank God Drew figured it out. <laughs> I literally I didn't know going, what he was doing. He's just throwing up gang signs. I'm like, what I was doing two in the morning, and I took my iPad and turned it around. Drew's, I see Drew go, okay, I got it. He said two minutes one. I was like, oh, fuck. Uh... The whole right. time you guys were doing shell until I was coming up with my question, so. All right, so okay. each of you guys gives us one question. Who's going to give us a question first? Drew, I'll you go got first. it. Go ahead. Mine's All goofy. Right. <laughs> oh, well, then, yeah. Nah. I All hope right. he asked um, the question I think you're going to ask. What was that? No. Nah. So, James Harden looking to get out of Houston. Does it happen? If it does, where does he go? So I think the the latest rumor that I heard with him is that he was asking for a trade. I want to say it was to the 76ers that he was looking to go to Philadelphia and do some something up there. I don't know what it is that he's looking to do up there. I I think he's a fit where he's at. They just they just need to to gel and not and have health. If they can have health, that's going to be the key. That's that's where they can do well. I just don't I don't Harden's a guy that I thought was always going to be in Houston. I really did. I didn't see him being anywhere else, but apparently he wants out. He's asking for the trade. He's holding out before camp. We'll see what happens. I don't know where he's actually going to end up, but there's two places that I think would be kind of intriguing. And I think first would be in Brooklyn. You pair him with Kyrie and you get Kevin Durant back. I mean, it's a lot of people that it's a lot of mouths to feed and whatnot, but you talk about a, a very high scoring, high productive trio uh, that would be a, a very, very good team up there in Brooklyn. And then I think the other part, uh, the other piece that would be intriguing would be out there with the Clippers. You get him paired with Kai, uh, with uh, Kawhi. That would be a one-two combo that would be lethal to match up yeah. with. Uh, but I don't think he ends up with either one of those. Uh, I think he does end up in Philly to Scott's point, but uh, both of those would be intriguing to me. Ryan, what you got? And after LeBron and AD beat all of those teams, we won't worry about it. Uh, question for for you. We brought up MTV Deathmatch. Give me your dream real-life MTV Deathmatch. Oh, God. Wow. Um, <laughs> this is not where I thought you were going by any means. I was not prepared for this question. Um, well, I'm going to say I would, I would love to see 
<sighs> All right, Manny Machado versus who? <laughs> All right, Manny Machado versus uh, Artano Ventura. I'd love to see that actual fight versus the swing, the one swing that he took at him. I think that'd be the case. Uh, Wait, isn't that guy dead? He's dead. <laughs> <laughs> that fight would be awesome. Pretty sure that guy died there, Josh. Maybe one of them. Josh. <laughs> Such a Josh thing to say. <laughs> All right, so my celebrity death match, you ready for this? It's sure. not sports related. Go. Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Put them in the ring and let them fucking have at each other. Oh, God. It would be absolutely hilarious. It would be the most entertaining thing. It would be the most entertaining thing to ever hit TV. It would be the, great. The pay-per-view sales would be gigantic. Trump is grabbing. Trump is grabbing. No, but where I thought you were going with the Manny Machado thing, Manny Machado and Josh, and Josh Donaldson. You remember they had a beef yeah. there with the whole bat thing back in the day or whatever. That would have been an interesting thing. I would throw a bat at somebody in Oakland. That's what oh, I'm talking Josh about. Josh Donaldson. Donaldson. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he was in Oakland at that point. Yeah, okay. yeah. I yep. think I think uh, Manny and Buckshow Walter. It's got to be some kind of Will with Buck and no, Manny. Oh, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do one better for you, Manny and Yabaldo. <laughs> since since we're since we're bringing up dead people, uh, Buck <laughs> and Earl Weaver. Spot with a random ass question like that. Oh man. <laughs> oh man. Anyway, Zach Britton and Buck. For not bringing yeah, him in, fucking yeah. in that Toronto game, <laughs> god damn it! And then, and then MLB sold his game-worn jersey that he didn't fucking <laughs> right the sweat on. Oh, oh man. man! All right, Scott, sign us off, man. All right, we appreciate you guys tuning in on this off week for us on a Wednesday night. We appreciate you guys each and every week. Make sure you're also checking us out on our website, www.berlandbs.com. You know, we got the episodes there. We got the gear. We got the Shell and Tell. Go check out the latest episode of Shell and Tell. Make sure you also check us out on all of our social media pages. Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, Snapchat, everything. Go check us at Birdland BS. You've got each of our handles here at Fred BLBS, at Scott BLBS, at Terp the Expert. He's just Drew. <laughs> and, <laughs> and Drew. Drew, I, I don't, I Drew don't, hates I don't Twitter. Twitter. I don't know. <laughs> just, just search Drew and find him. That's all you can do. That's <laughs> the only Drew out there. All right. This week, it's hashtag Drew. Hashtag Drew. Trending, right? Make sure you also check us out. Bigplay.com, Bigplay Twitter page, and also download the Bigplay app. BirdlandSports.com is also another place you can check us out. Make sure if you guys are checking us out on the audio version of the, of the podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen, make sure you also drop us a review. That helps us and helps us in searches and everything. Five stars. Give us those five stars. We appreciate it. Make sure you leave us a comment on that as well, not just the review, but the comment as well, and we greatly appreciate that. We'll be back to our regular show on Tuesday nights at 7.30 on all of the ch regular channels. So for Fred... Terps to be expert and hashtag Drew. <laughs> I'm Scott. We'll see you next week. Don't forget the stinger.